Hello! Welcome to the 2022 Halloween edition of the Fancy Fantasy Football unquote, Podcast. And I'm here again with annual Halloween discussion guest, Abby Saul. Say hello, Abby. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Hello, Pat. Hi, how's it going? Good. Good it's to going, hear. Yeah, it's going fine. Hawthorne has pink eye. That less good. But that's not so good. far, none of us have gotten it. So that's better. Yeah. I had. I remember having pink eye once when I was a kid. I probably had it more than once. And I just remember it being very itchy and funky, but not like a huge ordeal. Yeah, it, you know, Hawthorne is a tad dramatic, so things become an ordeal. Um, but it did go, I will say, on in defense of him, it went from like, huh, is your eye looking a little weird? To like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what terrible pink eye you have, like over yeah. an hour. So Bummer. it did, it got bad pretty fast. Um, but now it's gotten better pretty fast too, so that's good. Excellent. Do you have mm-hmm. to do drops directly in the eye? Directly in the eye drops four yeah, times a day. Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. That part less good. So we're going to talk about movies and stuff, but it's a little bit different this year because you have a new baby. I do. We have a new baby. So yeah, I mean, mostly, you know, that's impacted my life uh, pretty much surrounding scary movies exclusively and that's I the only get to, way that yes the only way you. yeah okay. didn't get to watch as many as normal no where Elodie is here um she's turning three months this next week which is bonkers um but she's doing great I mean I here I sit able to record this podcast she's sleeping happily and is doing pretty well on sleep and Hawthorne really likes her and she's fitting in she so far did not get pink eye so she's winning on all counts Excellent. Way to go. Congratulations on the baby. <laughs> I know you. you and I have spoken and texted, but some listeners probably have not spoken. This is true. Well, listeners, new baby. Yeah, and we're doing okay, which is nice. I feel like we're in a in a moment that, uh, you know, pink eye will throw us for a moment, but otherwise, like, the gears of our family are turning in a way that is sustainable. So we'll take it. <laughs> Excellent. Congratulations. Thanks, Pat. So... As a result of your uh, scarcity of time and sleep, um, you are not able to watch as many movies. And that is, of course, expected and understandable and not a problem. <laughs> sure, sure. And I went extra aggressive watching movies. And so this year it's going to be different. And so I'm going to try to talk to you about mostly movies that you've seen that you were able to watch. And then the second half, I will talk with my friend John Rhodes from law school uh, about movies he has almost exclusively not seen, and he also does not especially like watching horror movies, so he's an interesting choice. But I appreciate talking to him about horror movies, even though he doesn't watch them. So hopefully it'll be I'm, fun for everyone. I'm excited to listen to that one because I do. I saw a tweet today that was like they should have a haunted house where for an hour or something you can go and say like i don't actually want to be scared but i do want someone to guide me through the rooms and just tell me a little bit about the lore of them and i was like <laughs> oh i said like i kind of get that i do think that there are people who like don't actually want to be scared but are interested in sort of the story of the scary movie or whatever and so i think if so if you have an interested party in johnny then that sounds like it will be very entertaining exactly. can't wait yeah. i i he said specifically that he likes having scary movies spoiled for him like, yeah, okay. see? Uh-huh. There you go. Just, just tell me about the lore of your little room. Yeah. Monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did have a fair number of movies in common still. You put in a quite an effort. I did okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's uh, run down the list, shall we? Let's do it. 
The first one is just the one I saw the longest ago, and I didn't actually take notes on. <laughs> but uh, it is Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright. And you watched it very recently, and I watched it a few months ago. So I'd be curious to hear you first, and then I will bounce off of you. Yeah, so it was... Uh, I, I generally liked it, and... It appealed to me because of London, obviously, and then the the actors in it, though the um, main person who was also in Jojo Rabbit has a very interesting voice to listen to. It's very squeaky, and I'm not trying to make commentary on another woman's voice, but it really was a very squeaky little voice to carry a whole movie. Um, but I I enjoyed it. I went in not knowing very much, and when you had said that it would sort of qualify to be a horror movie, that surprised me based on the trailer. Um, and it, I think it does. It's sort of a thriller yeah. um, part of that. Um, yeah, I overall liked it. I liked the people in it. Um, they showed the dorm that I lived in when I was in London, which was sort of fun and surprising. So it that was in, weird, yeah, yeah, strange. Um, it was in you know the neighborhoods that I knew in London, so that was very fun to see. And it had, as Edgar Wright always does, like. Great vibes, good music. The music featured very heavily. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was a very pretty sort of ultimately basic movie. It didn't deliver as much as I was hoping that it would. Yeah, I kind of agree. So I forgot to mention off the bat, of course, I'll be spoiling every movie we talk about uh, to different degrees. Most of them... I think are probably still potentially enjoyable. There are a couple of movies that I discuss that the twist or the, you know, the, the spoilers could actually spoil the enjoyment of the movie in, depending on your sensitivity. Um, and I'll try to especially point those out, but in general, completely skip the discussion of a movie if you are worried about having it spoiled. Uh, so yeah, for this one. Yeah. I, when I, I love particularly the Cornetto trilogy movies and Scott Pilgrim, by Edgar yes. Wright. And so I'm a big fan of his in general. And so I I wanted to see this. And but yeah, I from the trailers I thought it was just gonna be kind of like a vibey, retro-y, slightly paranormal uh fun movie, because he does a lot of like fun, quirky stuff. But then when I watched it, yeah, there's there was a lot more horror themes and scares than I expected. And so I had not prepared to watch this as part of our Halloween podcast, but then in hindsight it was like actually that that does fit right in. Yeah, which was surprising, and I and I think maybe I missed some of his humor um, mm-hmm. in it. it. It maybe took itself a little bit seriously, but it wasn't. A, I, there were some movies that we watched that take took themselves way too seriously, so it wasn't really that. I think I enjoyed it very much, and I don't know that I will think of it ever again. <laughs> sort of yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of a passing thing. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah and definitely, as I might have implied, definitely below those ones that are my favorites by him. Uh, in my mind but it was but yeah very stylish certainly visually and um music wise it was it was the and the you know costumes and setting and all that was fun but yeah just not didn't do a lot for me overall yeah but i will say in the context of everything we're probably about to talk about because one of the themes that we've been texting to each other is just like women not getting a very fair shake um i do think that this movie seemed on one hand to be about a woman not getting a very fair shake and then turned that upside down a little bit. I It felt – so that was good. It felt a little lame to me. Like it, it didn't – like I wasn't like, oh my gosh, that redeems the whole movie or surprised me tremendously or anything like that. But it was a nice – it was a nice little twist at the end that um, I thought was fine. 
but not amazing. It's sort of yeah. how I felt about the end. But in the context of all the movies we watched, I appreciate it for letting a woman not just be the victim of the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So here's the connection. The word night appears in the title of the movie Nighthouse. And I, so this is the first of two that star Rebecca Hall. So I want to do a little back-to-back Rebecca Hall, the actress. Uh, so the next one is Resurrection. So I would like to talk about both Nighthouse and Resurrection. What a I, fun transition that was. Thank you. Speaking of the word night. Speaking of the word movie. night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Nighthouse first? I personally, uh, I think you agree. I liked both of these. I liked Resurrection more than Nighthouse. Yes. Okay. So let's yes. talk about Nighthouse first and then Resurrection. Yeah. And I quite like Rebecca Hall in horror movies. Um, she has got a good, she's got a good vibe, a good face, a good um, demeanor. And the thing I, I texted you about, like, let me tell you my Rebecca Hall thing. You're going to be probably disappointed, but I sure because she's always in horror movies and usually has a very unhappy time in them for a variety of reasons. Um, I spent watching both Resurrection and Nighthouse. I was like, is she happy in real life? And I did some <laughs> frantic googling, and yet she is happily married to a handsome man who is in the Gilded Age that the internet thinks is quite handsome. In particular, I think he's fine, but she's happily married, and so I was delighted to hear it. So she is in those movies and does very well and probably makes very nice money for them. And I'm delighted for her that she's not, if she was alone and also in all these movies, I would have, my heart would have broken and I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Yeah. Um, That's my important Rebecca Hall take. So Nighthouse, I liked, I was very interested in seeing it. It wasn't, it was one that I sort of snuck in at the end because when you sent your list of ones you had watched, I remembered how much I wanted to see it because I thought the trailer was so intriguing. I had heard good things um, and the concept really appealed to me. And I think the concept really appealing was true throughout. It was a really cool setup. The idea of this sort of like parallel house being built um, that her architect husband was building to seemingly trick a spirit. And you, so, you're sort so, of piecing things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Go just to give a context for that. Yes. This movie starts, her husband killed himself. And she is really sad and going through reacting to that. Um, and then she, fi- she is trying to figure out what happened. Everyone, all of her friends are trying to cheer her up. She's like reasonably like, I thought that they did a very good job of like making her realistically upset. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like a lot of times like horror movies, they kind of obviously have to make people make pretty irrational decisions to propel the plot forward. And I thought she was like very plausibly, pretty upset and her friends were just like hey come on cheer up it's okay and she's like no i'm really upset like it, I, I felt that they handled that well but anyway yeah so then she starts doing this unraveling and and then as you were indicating there's a second house that he built in secret and did bad things there yeah and did right and and i thought that was it was a nice it was a it felt like it was like uh a cool setup and she's great and then layered in this intriguing premise and then sort of built on that because then there's women who look like her and you're like what what are these women who look like her doing and is she being haunted and who's haunting her and some creepy you know moments and creepy sort of pictures in the house um and like visions where you're sort of you sort of see someone but it's actually just part of the house I thought there were some very cool scenes like that and it was tense and building and then it felt like it didn't totally stick the landing it it tied together okay i guess but it felt 
you know, the, the ultimate explanation of the spirit that had come back to her, <laughs> come back with her when she had almost died as a teenager that her husband was keeping at bay was because I don't know, it felt a little lame to me. I was I was let down because I was like in it to win it the whole time. I thought it was really good. And then I thought the last 30 minutes didn't land the plane for me. Yeah, I agree that it, that was like a little bit of weekending. And I thought they they deliberately were kind of obscuring the nature of the horror for most of the movie, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you didn't know if she had mental illness and this was all fake or if. And also I noticed a trend that I wasn't even I was like, you know, taking notes on all this stuff. A lot of the times before she saw something really freaky, she had taken a drink of of something, either yes. her own liquor or her dead husband's liquor. And I was like, is she like getting poisoned or something? Or is these? And so there are a lot of like different red herrings for like what the nature of the terror was, I thought. And uh, it ended up being, yeah, like the, the husband was doing terrible stuff and it was kind of a quasi supernatural dark passenger kind of thing going on. Um but yeah, uh, another thing that I thought was kind of fun, just another note of an enjoyable aspect that I thought was um, at the very beginning when, you know, all of her friends are being unreasonably like trying to tell her to cheer up and stuff. They did a there's an outing with her and her fellow teachers and there's um, uh, some uh, one guy teacher and a couple of women teachers. And I thought they did a great job of making the guy terrible in like a subtle way. Like he was yes. getting dr- drunker and drunker and then like mansplaining to her and like giving her and like everyone was getting fed up with him and i thought that it was like pretty subtle but well done like that guy yeah they did all the characters were really I, that's really true actually because that like that was subtle and i think you're right like she she was very believable the whole time um about how she was reacting and it was sort of interesting to wonder about how much of it was just like her grief and sort of being drunk and what she was imagining and what she wasn't so i think there were a lot of like nice nicely done things Overall, okay. I thought it was, yeah. it was like it was like well executed overall, just like not that engaging all the way to the finish. Yeah, all the way to the finish. And that's what I think I, I sent you the message that it reminds me of um what's his face? Who's the guy from all the Netflix ones, The Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass and stuff, where like the the premise of those, they're always like they're so fun to watch. they you know, there's nice sort of ramping up of feeling um, and you, I'm into it. And then always the last episodes, I'm like, oh, okay. Like all the pieces coming together are, are, it's never as good as sort of the promise of what it could be. And that's how I felt in Nighthouse. Like I was very into it for probably 75% of the movie. And then I thought the last 25% was just okay. It wasn't terrible, um, but it was just okay. All right. The next one was a, a, a personal highlight, I think, of the movies that I am speaking with you about not the ones that I'm speaking with my friend John about. I think this was my favorite. Uh, yeah. Resurrection. I, me too, I think. And I went in knowing nothing. Um, you very nicely keep me posted with trailers of all these movies. And I watch most of them, but not all of them, because I also know they're going to just get added to the list. And that's great. And this was one that you <laughs> were like, hey, it's 99 cents to rent right now. And I was like, great. I knew nothing. You, Rebecca Hall, great. I like her. I knew absolutely nothing. And it was sort of a delight to go in knowing nothing. Yeah. So I if you have any ones. interest in seeing this movie, just watch it and stop listening to us right now. But I, it was, it was, it was eerier to me knowing nothing about it because yeah. it's weird. <laughs> I would say this is one of the ones that would be better completely unspoiled if, if you are interested. Yeah. And we both recommend it. So We do, yes. 
Um, but yeah, it was weird. I didn't know. I had no idea what I was getting into. But talk about like it was like tight and vibey and tense, and it was just it did exactly what it needed to do. And I, what a weird thing it did. I I was really into it. <laughs> Which yeah. and you liked it. So yeah, so this one again, Rebecca Hall. This time yes. she's like a woman in like a medical profession. Um, and she's, they very immediately set her up as like very no nonsense type a has her life together. She's like leading meetings and she's going jogging and she's, you know, very put together in her life. And then she sees Tim Roth, the actor in, uh, at a conference and she like loses it. Yeah. Like just a glimpse of him. It's so strange. Like just his profile and loses it. Yeah. And, like, her life just falls apart immediately and precipitously uh, as soon as that happens. So, obviously, we know that this guy is bad. Uh, also, she has a daughter who's kind of fun. Um, she's, like, a realistically, like, kind of annoyed daughter who's about to go to college. And, anyway, so they don't tell you what's the deal with Tim Roth's character, Um for a very very long time you just know that he's bad news in some way i wasn't sure if he was like the, the movie's called resurrection i didn't know if he was dead and a ghost that she was seeing right. i didn't know if he was like a former you know romance interest and was a bad guy or what and they kept the mystery of that for a long time the only thing that they made clear was that he was a terrible person that was abusive towards her uh before taking it just even just in a complete different direction. Yes. And um, so th- this is one that I watched while holding my baby. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've watched, I think I started it while holding LED for a nap and then I had to stop and then I finished it while she was asleep. And at the end of it, I had to go like check on her and I'm not really that mom who needs to make sure my baby is like breathing all the time. I assume she's doing fine, but I had to be like, is this baby okay? Because it does involve Tim Roth doing something horrible to a baby. Um, and also, like, uh, vivid imagery of other bad yeah. things to babies. Yes. Not oh, my just, gosh. Yes. Not just the main plot point of a bad thing to a baby. Yes. Many pictures of bad things to babies, too. Um, yeah. So that was that was an intense one. But I, st- I mean, I think I'm sort of like, but you still liked it. I sure did. Because um, it was very strange. And I, I was going to say... In Nighthouse, the plot point of the Dark Passenger is brought through Rebecca Hall sort of like relating the story that is in no way on screen. She talks about sort of this near-death experience she had and and what it was like. And and that was – it was fine and I think it was fine because they sort of related it to like her husband who had committed suicide thinking that there was an afterlife and her knowing that there wasn't because of this experience, fine. In Resurrection – finding out what Tim Roth had done and the reason he was back was also told through her just telling a story that is also not on screen. And I thought that that worked so well. Like I was not bothered by that whole story being told off screen, being off screen and just being relayed to us. Um, I thought it worked even better than the Nighthouse one. The Nighthouse one feels a little like they ham fisted in the plot point they needed to by having her tell a story. And in Resurrection, that plot point she had to tell us what had happened but i thought it was maybe the story was really good and then what came after was really good um and sort of built on it but i thought that that was skillfully done for sure i will say there are not one not two not three but four common themes that this one 
comp- has with other movies that we are connecting. Uh, so not some that not all of them will be discussed with you, but but with uh, the movies that were viewed. So first of all, obviously the Rebecca Hall connection that's an obvious one. Sure. Two, uh, this one and at least Smile involved uh, specifically women in the medical profession. Oh, interesting. Having things go insane and having their lives completely fall apart. And they're like, also like, yeah, like totally on top of it, professional women, very trained, and then just bad things happen and uh, the life completely falls apart. Uh, three is this this one. So you mentioned this speech. So she gives this extremely long monologue to her like intern person. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Who's like, she's like the mentor for and she just has a breakdown and explains this whole situation with Tim Roth and why he's like the devil pretty much. And to like the increasing horror of the intern who has no idea how to process this information. She's just, she just has a professional relationship with Rebecca Hall. She right. doesn't know her like that. Um, and in Pearl, there is an exceptionally good, this is like the turning point for when I decided I actually was digging it. Um, there's like an eight and a half minute monologue where Mia Goth's character is essentially like describing how messed up she is and how she like likes to hurt animals and hurt people and the terrible things she's done. And it just keeps going on and getting darker and darker and darker. And she's saying this to her sister-in-law who has no idea how to react to it. And, uh, and it was really good and really well done. And the last thing that we're going to go into extreme depth upon. And this is the biggest spoiler. So again, for real, skip this. If you're going to watch this movie is like unnatural pregnancy, uh, child's children or entities (laughs) that shouldn't be there. So Tim Roth ate this baby. He ate the baby. All that was left was a finger. That's the part that got me. (laughs) All that was left was two fingers as according to my notes. Two fingers. Yeah. Uh, and he ate the baby and she loved the baby and she was having a relationship with him, and, but he was super controlling and isolating. And then she had the baby and she loved the baby and obviously that caused a problem for him. And so she left and she came back and he had eaten the baby except for two fingers. That's so vile and terrible, obviously. But then he is a psychopath and he keeps telling her that the baby is inside of him and alive in his tummy, it's right here. He's right here. He's he's mad at you for yelling at me. He want, he's very upset. He needs his mother. Like and so like the last like third of the movie or so is him like making her feel bad for neglecting this baby that has been living in his stomach for twenty two years. Obviously, that just sounds like gaslighting to abuse her psychologically. But then at the end of the movie, what happens, Abby? Well, right. So then she uh sort of he sets a trap for her to sort of get back together and convince her to come with him we think for via gaslighting and then she just strapped a lot of knives to herself cuts that so man many open knives. <laughs> so many knives they get in a knife fight effectively and she cuts his achilles heel right and then he just like slinks to the ground and then she cuts him open and there sure is a baby inside him though i have a question for you about that yeah the movie sure showed us that there was a baby inside. Then he, yes. di- the man, Tim Roth dies, and then Rebecca Hall is happily at home, like nursing slash taking care of the baby, and her daughter is back. Yeah. For sure, for sure, sh- that part 
isn't true. Like for sure, she's not happily at home. That didn't yeah, that was well. like it looked like literally like heaven. Like yeah, it was right. Like it was gauzy white, it was and white. white exactly. And so like the that first... clearly seemed not to be real. I was trying to figure out. I think what where I ultimately landed was that they got in a knife fight and killed each other. The end. I think so. Of I the think movie. she was and dead then... at the end of the movie. Yes. It definitely, yeah. It, like the the daughter who is like angry and cynical towards her the whole time because her mom was losing her mind, and also her mom was like very overprotective because of yeah, because she was both losing her mind and not sort of expressing why she was so scared of this man and what he was doing to her. And she was, was like very too. controlling of her daughter even yes. before he came back into town. But anyway, the the daughter was like at the end of the movie when they're having this like suspiciously heavenly, uh, peaceful encounter. She's like. Yeah, mom, you made everything okay. Right, <laughs> like, yes. Okay, for sure that wasn't real. Like, yeah, there's so no way sure this daughter would say I that. Think, I think what I was trying to decide is, like, because it's a horror movie, was it possible that she cut <laughs> that she cut a baby out of him and, after, and then they all died? But I think that she died before the vision of cutting the baby out. And then, so, like, her heavenly experience is, like, completing the task that she did of cutting the baby out and then going back and getting to take care of the baby just and i asked that just because like it's not like it turned gauzy as she was slicing him open and pulling a, a living baby out yeah it gauzy it was a, after that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, there was definitely a distinction between those two things that yeah so there's a bit suspicious. of a sort of upside down question mark but this was um gary did not watch any of these movies with me he sort of decided he's not super into scary movies he has to be in the right mind space but this one was enough that especially this sort of like crazy ending I was like, I just have to tell you what happened. And I made him sit and listen to it um, because it was like knife fight to pulling a baby out of Tim Roth, who um, had convinced her that a baby was alive inside him. I mean, there, it was sad. It wasn't great against women. She pulled the baby out. I was glad about that. But yes, for sure not. I, I think that didn't actually happen. I think she's just dead in the hotel room from a knife fight. Yeah. But I think he is too. So that's good at least. Yeah, he. I mean, he didn't make out very well in that fight. No. Whatever happened, yeah. No. So, weirdly, I think there were four movies that had weird pregnant... Like, not just involving pregnant women or men in this case. Yeah, right. Um, but four movies that had, like, supernatural, inhuman, not-the-way-biology-works pregnancies, uh, including this one. So... That's a weird thing to have so much of in one year, I think. But. It was weird to have so much of it in one year and weird to be the year that I birthed a human baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that, my mental space as regards these strange births, I, it sure, it was a trying, uh, scary movie time, Pat. Do you want to go straight to those birth movies or do you want to talk about franchise movies? We have kind of two big categories. Oh, boy. Well, about. I'm, I mean, you're the master of transitions, Knight. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of weird pregnancies, let's talk about the movie Men. Let's do it. That That is thematically pretty surprisingly a lot in common with Resurrection when it yes. comes to the twist. Yes. Um, and a little bit like vibes too, a little bit like it was sort of dark, this uh, sort of a solitary woman at the center of it um, interacting with strange men in this instance. I also liked men but it was too weird for me to really like it i think is where i landed on men how about you yeah i so it kind of yeah just like both nighthouse and resurrection like i feel like they were trying to keep it the source of the scariness kind of obscured for a lot of the movie yeah 
Um, and it got, and what they ended up, their choice was to make it just go completely insane at the end of the movie. It went off the rails. We, you think that resurrection was crazy based on the description that we just provided. Men is like literally like that amplified. <laughs> so it is this, much. It is that kind of thing, but for like 20 minutes, multiple times, much, much more extreme version of that. Uh, it was crazy. It was so crazy. So yeah, yeah I don't know, think it worked. I think it fell apart with its insanity. Yeah, but it I was, appreciate that they went for it. Sorry. No, so it, it, I was talking over you. Um, it, it was so insane, and you're so right. It was partially the length of the insanity. Because sometimes I think horror movies can get away with, like, a sharp left turn, but it's just sort of for a scene or something. And I don't know. But this, man, it was a prolonged period of insanity <laughs> at the end of Men. It just kept going um, in and a couple different ways, a couple different directions. But um, yes, I agree. I, I, I was intrigued to see what happened. I was, I, they set it up for me to sort of wonder what was going on in this strange town. This woman goes to uh, also has a, a death of a husband who dies pretty terribly. And we sure see that. And she goes to this beautiful house in a pretty English town that the men she keeps meeting are all the <laughs> they're all different men, but they all look exactly the same. They're all played by the same character um, with different teeth and hair. And in one case, he is a small boy, um, but it all is the same person, which she doesn't notice seemingly. So, yeah, that was so. So, yeah, it was all these different people that were like, yeah, a little boy, a priest, the guy who owns the house, the guy at the bar. A weird naked guy from the woods. A weird naked guy from the woods who's like maybe like a pagan he like god he yeah like cuts leaves into his face they all have the same face they all have variously different bodies some more yeah, similar than others but like they they definitely have the exact same face and it kind of reminded me of um apex twin videos if you've mm. seen any of those no. like no come to daddy it's a classic it's very creepy okay uh, it is essentially a mini horror movie yeah the guy who is apex twin kind of adopted this personality of this one particular creepy face of like a guy with a ponytail and a goatee and a creepy smile and multiple videos of his, including window liquor and uh, come to daddy and donkey rhubarb all involve that face put in inappropriate places. And it was a lot like that and so creepy. And yeah, she does not react she reacts to the fact that there was a naked man hanging outside of this house that she was renting. Also, theme, uh, <laughs> rental rental properties going true. poorly. Yeah, that's uh, true. That, that that didn't go well for her. But yeah, so she reacts to the fact that there's a scary naked man who maybe is dangerous. But she does not at all react to the fact that every single person that she encounters in this isolated town uh, has the exact same face. And yeah, it's like not, a weird thing to not. Not at all. To. And there's that one female cop who also I thought that was a strange choice because I, I I feel like the whole thing would have been a little bit more believable if she never encountered anyone else in the world who wasn't just the same face man. But there mm-hmm. is at one point a female cop who has come to arrest the naked man, and the female cop has arrived with a police officer who is also one of the same face men including he has the same face as the naked man. And like, that's, it's just not commented on at all. And so I guess it was supposed to be obscured or not noticed, but I think she's aware. Like, I think she knows at the end it's because it's so obvious. I don't, so I thought that was sort of, that was too obscure for me to, to totally follow. Um, yeah. 
I was even like before confused. it went off the rails. I yeah. was kind of confused what I was going for in the end. The ending certainly it got so extreme and like it obviously was like shocking and violent and insane, but I didn't know what they were going for really. Yeah, it um, seemed to be some. I mean, obviously the man. You guys at one point they cut. She like puts a knife in in one of the men's arms and cuts his arm in half, and then he just walks around with this floppy double arm. And but then every one of the men with with the same face have that same double arm, and so I do think there was some sort of like I think the pagan man of the woods was like Adam was the original person who then all of these people were just like copies of him sort of, you know, so like you, if you did something to one of them, it happened to all of them. Um, but I can't like, I, yeah, I and they did it. They did a thing with the forbidden fruit, right? At the beginning of the movie yeah, of course, with apples, right. um, which is also why I thought she should have been the only woman. Like, again, I didn't like that. There was this other woman. It was hard. It was hard to follow what they were going for is basically my conclude my the only conclusion that I can make about it. And that I didn't like that floppy arm or when the priest, like, embraced her neck with the floppy arm split yeah so it was really graphic and then the thing that happens that uh, what i said about the birth thing yes at the end of the movie so she's like she literally like slices this guy his whole hand is cut straight in half there's a common theme with enough that happens that something kind of like that happens in barbarian um <laughs> Ass. this uh also this has obviously in common a significant other committing suicide being the yes. precipitating event of the downfall of this person's life so anyway it gets real it gets more and more extremely violent and then the guy's belly gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, and unnaturally impossibly big and then he's essentially sprouts a vagina and yes gives birth to a fully grown guy with the same face and then it's like russian dolls and it keeps happening they, over and over again. Luckily, he was the only one who actually like sprouted a vagina and did it. They were the other ones were like birthed in different ways. They were all birthed, but not necessarily out of a vagina. Like they all came out in different ways. So I was, I at least was appreciative that we didn't have to see the vagina again and again. Um, but yeah, sure, it was like a series. Yes, a, a Russian nesting doll of just like one man giving birth to another man with his face over and over again. Until they gave birth to the husband. And as you said, they they did not... It wasn't like this was like a rebirth process to like start anew. This was like all these people were still graphically injured. Yeah, that's what I thought. They were not like that, healing through yes. this. Because at the first birth, I thought it was like, oh, we've ruined, we've ruined this batch. Let's have a new one coming or something. But yeah, they all... And they all... Then the people who gave birth also died. They were like destroyed through the birth seemingly um some of them pretty like obviously i think and so i man i do not i don't know (laughs) so so they definitely deliberately so the husband who killed himself he was like mentally ill and she was breaking up with him and he said i'll kill myself if you break up with me and then he does kill himself and they 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 reveal this in glimpses throughout the first part of the movie until they show you really what happened so it's like ambiguous what happened but you see this guy falling down the window at the very beginning of the movie and i couldn't tell when we first saw that if that was like a flash forward to like the end of the movie or if that was a Mm. recollection but it ends up clearly being a recollection so before she goes to this little vacation place her significant other had killed himself extremely violently and so he jumped out of a window and she saw him falling 
midair, and then he lands on a spiked fence, and he also Blitz. has a broken leg and a split-up arm. Yeah. And so clearly they were deliberately drawing the connection between the specific injuries that these weird pagan rebirth same-faced men get right. with her husband or significant other i don't they weren't married i think anyway and then and then yeah so then he's the last one to be born and and he blamed he was blaming her for his suicide because she broke up with him and he threatened to do it and he did it and so it was it seemed like it was some sort of like trauma coping a, you know dealing with the fact that he killed himself kind of issue and and so then all of these grotesque injuries paralleled what right. he had done to himself but i don't know what i was supposed to get out of that what catharsis or point of it was really yeah and it's sort of i think i yeah i don't like she i don't know like cause she wasn't the cause of her of the significant others suicide even though like she felt guilt and he blamed her for that but like that's not how that works um like it actually wasn't her fault but then she sure was like i don't i don't know yeah it, it felt like it is a little bit of victim blaming if that's really the point but i do think that was like i, I agree that was the point i don't know and i don't like know the priest, exactly like the they're all the a lot of the men characters obviously the naked man who was like threatening her was obviously actively terrible but like the priest like actively said like it was your fault yeah obviously. it was your like, fault and and so, it also was and then he like came on to her because it's also you know obviously a woman's fault that he had lustful feelings for her like it just there was a lot of exploration of men and women and sort of like how men treat women but i'm not sure that it concluded in any way that like i don't know negated that experience i'm not sure <laughs> i don't i don't know exactly what it, what point it made at the end of it it was sure, exactly it was sure reaching for a lot of points I and think. then and then similarly to um resurrection i wasn't sure if this was all supposed to have actually happened or if this was supposed to be internal because again she's like wrapping yes. herself with guilt but then if we are to take the events of the movie at face value her friend who was worried about her came and she saw evidence of all this stuff happening yes. so like they showed another character seeing seeing this stuff so right. maybe it really did actually happen I don't know. And also the friend was pregnant, which they seem to make a big deal out of. Like, yeah, they, like they did. They really liked reveal. that she was pregnant. Yeah, that's uh, true. And that was like the very last shot of the movie pretty much like, oh, by the way, the best friend who's been voice chatting her was also pregnant. Yeah. I don't know what it was mentioning. I don't remember yeah. going for it. Exactly. And again, I think that's also one like when all the guys looked the same, even though she wasn't noticing it, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. It's going to do something. But I never could have predicted what it did because I don't understand what it did. So, And I'll say this is by Alex Garland, the same guy who did Ex Machina and oh, interesting. 28 Days Later and um, Annihilation. Oh, sure. So he, so I was really, I really liked Ex Machina and I kind of liked Annihilation. So I had particularly high hopes for this one. And so it, I didn't, it fell short for what I was hoping for. Um, and, and I compared it to how insane it goes at the end to the movie Mother, which I despised. Um, this is a better movie than Mother, but the, the amount that it goes off the rails really reminded me of Mother. Yeah. Um, I didn't love Annihilation, but I liked it better than this movie. Yeah, I know. for sure. Me too. Some a lot of people love Annihilation. Ex Machina also. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, Ex Machina is good. I, and and it, the woman in the movie we didn't mention is Jesse Buckley, who's in a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and um, she, I mean, she was good. And I like uh, the British actor who was the man of many faces, though he is willing Rory to do weird Kinnear, things. Rory Kinnear, apparently. Yeah, Rory Kinnear. Mm -hmm. So that one was weird. 
it was too weird. That was, yeah. Speaking of weird and violent and (laughs) weird pregnancies, let's talk about Titan. Oh boy, Pat. That was a, I watched that while pregnant with you. We watched it together. We watched it together whilst I was pregnant. I was going to say, I was going to say we watched together while pregnant, but that doesn't make sense. (laughs) I was not pregnant at the time. Um, That, yeah, you're right. That was a, that was a good transition because that was also a very, what a weird movie that was. (laughs) And no one, you could never predict what was going to happen in that movie. Yeah. Um, so, you sum it up. How would you sum that up? How would? Okay. So there's this, they start off, uh, they, th- this one, some of these are real slow burns at the start. Some of them yes. hit you in the face at the start. This one hit you in the face at the start. There's this woman and she is way into cars. <laughs> That'll be explored. <laughs> That'll be explored more detail later. But she's like at a, at a car show and like dancing sexy on modified cars and stuff and and she obviously has like fans like she's like famous for like doing like sexualized dances on cars or something like that and she is like a real punk gothic kind of vibe yeah Uh and but then right off the bat some guy so she leaves the thing people like her they're like want her autograph and stuff then some guy hassles her afterwards and she just without much hesitation she just pulls a knitting needle out of her hair and kills the dude with it like just super immediately and so and like has no has like it wasn't like she was like specifically it didn't seem like it was life or death like she just had no qualms about murdering this guy yeah and so that changed the vibe of the movie and then immediately after murdering a man with a knitting needle they go straight to her getting into the car and like having sex with the automobile itself she has sex um, with the car. Uh-huh. And it's a kind of long scene. Like it's like a graphic car sex scene. But <laughs> when I say car sex, I don't mean two humans having sex inside of a car. I mean this human woman having sex with an automobile itself. And and that and then that's just like the first few minutes of the movie. And then she gets pregnant seemingly and her belly starts getting bigger after she had sex with the car and <sighs> She seemingly tries to do an at-home abortion with her same knitting needle, uh, and that fails. And then she just goes on a murder rampage. She goes on a murder rampage. The abortion has her, like, leaking not blood but motor oil, seemingly. So she sure got pregnant from the car. And then she goes on a murder rampage. And then, yeah, to escape detection of the murder rampage, she pretends to be the returned son (laughs) of... A man whose son went missing when he was a child. Um, and this, so she, a like, strange man her takes body. her in. Yeah, she pretends to be like a boy, a young and, man. And so she, so she is already she was a woman before all of this, but then further she is, has an increasingly large pregnant stomach. Right. So she has to super duper bind herself and wear loose clothes and stuff to hide that she is not only a woman but a pregnant woman. And the firefighter captain that she is pretending to be the son of is this very angry steroid injecting madman. The other people who work at the firehouse are afraid of him because he's insane. And they reasonably suspect that this is not really his long lost son. Uh, but he refuses to see that he takes this person in and, and then it just keeps going. So then she, there's just more murder. There's more violence uh hey. there's a big go ahead no I, yep you're doing great <laughs> uh <laughs> such a weird movie there's a weird dancing scene 
uh, with the firefighters and her, and there's the ex-wife of the captain realizes immediately that this is not him, uh, the son, the missing son, and the captain, like, one of the guys who was talking out against her, she, like, the captain kind of totally lets that guy die in a fire, and then at the end of the movie, she's, like, clawing her flesh off, and there's, like, metal and oil underneath, like, she's either becoming machine or, uh, you know, giving birth to a machine inside of her body that grew. And yeah, that's Yeah, and then she dies in birth and the the fake dad, the dad who the guy who took her in just has a baby now. And that's the end of the movie. The car baby. Yep, car baby. Who looks like a normal baby but came out of like a car uterus, I think. Didn't it have I thought Maybe like, it had a metal something. I think it had baby. like metal parts. I okay. think it's like a android yeah. looking thing kind of. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing why Gary might be um, a bit turned off scary movies because he this year um, was there for through the, <laughs> through the car sex scene of Titan and then came in and joined me to watch the end of men. So he was there from like when the hand got cut into to the end of men. So he's not seeing the finest moments. And of our really among the most traumatizing, really. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. Huh. Yeah, so... And it was all in French, Titan. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was real weird. So that one was really weird, but it was like kind of like weird in approximately the way that I expected it to be weird. Like it was like a violent, strange horror movie. It wasn't like a different genre than I expected. Yes. Uh-huh. The, the Specifically the car sex and car pregnancy and car baby was surprising, granted. But, uh, yeah, there are other movies, specifically, one, the one that I liked number one out of all of them, which was uh, Crimes of the Future, I thought that was going to be kind of like Titan in that it was going to be like a, a weird body horror, scary horror movie. But it ended up being like a cyber thriller detective movie. And so it was, I was very pleased that they were very different from each other. But, but uh, Titan was insane, but kind of what I expected. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't. I yes, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I think it sort of did. I it did a strange thing, but it wasn't pretending to be anything. It wasn't, um, for sure. I'm so sad because I think I probably would really like crime, crimes of humanity. Is that crimes of the future? Crimes of the future. I think I probably would really like it, but I have concluded this year, or at least at this moment in time, that body horror is just not my biggest jam. <laughs> I don't think fair. I'd be able to survive it. There's a lot of gross stuff in that movie, but it was a superb movie. Uh, so to round out the quadrology of unnatural <laughs> pregnancies, um, The Lamb. And I mistakenly thought you had seen this, but you have not. So I'm going to just spoil. This is going to be a, a yes. John Rhodes-like section yes, where please. I just, yes, spoil this for you and get your raw reaction. But So The Lamb, I didn't know much about the the advertisement for it was very opaque as well it was like a uh, husband and wife who are f- sheep farmers apparently um and creepy music and something really bad happens with one of the sheep and that's about all you know oh and this one was the opposite of titan in that it starts off incredibly slow and deliberate yeah it's just like so it's it's a lot of sheep there's sheep in a farm they're agitated 
so much insane loud sheep bleating noise <laughs> and scary music and you get the fact that something bad happens and then it's that's it and you don't know what happened it doesn't show anything actively happening and then um they the farmer comes and then there's this you who is giving birth and they take the offspring of the you and uh they they react to it they don't show it and they react to it and it's like oh wow this this is crazy and and they just immediately take it into their home oh boy and start raising that lamb separate from all the other lambs the way way later in the movie they reveal that the lamb that was born was like a human lamb hybrid. Oh no! It looks like a little toddler child. They put it in human clothes, um, and it like has human parts and lamb parts. And so the reaction that the husband and wife have when you, in hindsight, when you rewind in your mind and you see what they saw, and they looked at it and they gave that reaction, it is impossible <laughs> that, that a human would look at this abomination. Were they just like, oh? They're pretty much like, oh, we will raise this thing. <laughs> so it turns out, like, there's obviously, like, backstory and stuff. And um, there's a brother-in-law who is coming on to the wife. And maybe they previously had an affair. And they wanted to have a kid for a really long time and and didn't succeed in doing so. The, the Weirdly, I guess. So... The the sheep that gave birth to that, they called it, they named the child or sheep lamb Ada. Uh, the, the sheep that gave birth to Ada um, obviously wants to take care of her own baby and she gets increasingly defensive and the mom, the human mom uh, gets jealous of the sheep mom. And so ultimately she kills the sheep mom and buries it and pretends she doesn't know anything about it. And then... Long story short, end of the movie, the dad, the human dad, is with Ada, out, isolated, and this goat demon uh, (laughs) comes and murders the husband and takes Ada away because obviously it was the goat demon who impregnated the lamb at the, the sheep at the beginning. This is his child and he's pissed that uh, the, the mom of the baby was killed. And, <laughs> and so the, essentially the story is, yeah, there's like a, a goat demon impregnated a sheep and this is a messed up couple that had their own issues and people get murdered for it. And that was the movie. Oh boy. It was very strange. On on the level of the of the strange ones we've just discussed, how like less strange than men, seemingly. Yeah. Okay. I would say it's pretty like because you can follow of, it. <laughs> yeah, I would say it, it was like not as not not as good, but kind of similar on the weirdness of resurrection as far as like the pregnancy sure. child part of it. Um, but but again, it was like so slow and plotting to start with. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just a super dark ending. Just like nobody's happy. <laughs> just the kid, the kid is gone. <laughs> I don't know. It was crazy. Uh, that sounds. And I just had no, and I had no idea what it was about going into it. I right, that's it. That, that was the <laughs> to, movie about that, the lamb. That's a funny one to wander into, right? Yeah. To be like, let's watch this one. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was a horror movie, and it was called The Lamb. 
did not know anything. All that was such a <laughs> surprise to me. So amazing! Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, of the ones we've discussed so far, any of them actually scary in terms of like <gasps> like a making you feel scared in the moment? I think most of them for me were like more disturbing. The night house maybe had one or two pseudo jump scares. Like when the footprints in the night house, when the footprints were suddenly like right in front of her, I think that mm-hmm. like made me feel scared. But otherwise, I think so far, like these are on the horror level of uh, unsettling more than scary, I think. Do you think? I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that some of the other ones discussed with Johnny were scarier. Like I think Smile was scarier. Yeah, that sounds scary to me. But yeah. The very little I know of it. Yeah. A lot of people think the Barbarian was really scary. Um, okay. Yeah. Th- yeah, I would say these are all like unsettling, creepy, but not like you are horrified. Yes, totally horrified mm-hmm. for not not uh, heart palpitations. Horrified, horrified. Yeah. Need to go check on your living uh, newborn. But you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> so mostly we have a lot. A lot. One thing we try to do, we try to watch some of the classics while we do these you know go dip into the back catalog and so a natural place to do that is when there is a a brand new sequel or a reboot of a famous series and so there were a lot of those this year that we can talk about specifically we watched halloween the 2018 one and halloween kills the recent sequel and i watched halloween ends the conclusion to the new halloween trilogy uh, so there are three Halloween movies that were relevant for this discussion that we can all kind of talk to back to back. Also, obviously, there was a new uh, Hellraiser. And so we watched the original Hellraiser and the new Hellraiser. Sure did. And then not really timely to discuss because none, not, neither of these were new. But we watched the I, – I watched for the first time the 1985 Fright Night and the 2011 Fright Night. You had seen the old Fright Night a long time ago and you watched the new Fright Night. Yes. Correct. So those are the old and new ones I would like to discuss. So let's go through Halloween first. It is we're ta- we're, we're here for Halloween. Let's talk about Halloween. Halloween. Um, do you have a connection to the original Halloween movie? Like, is that one that looms large for you in any way, or just? I I actually I didn't watch it growing up, so I watched it kind of recent, like within the past five or seven years. I watched the original Halloween for the first time, and I thought it was well done, and I could see why it was like kind of a genre defining for its own you know the the crazy killer sort of thing i thought it was well done and and good but it i didn't like have it wasn't like i didn't grow up with it as like a huge moment for me in watching hormones sure same yeah same for me i think like watched it originally sometime because it's you know on the top scary movies of all time ones and to see some of the classics but i don't have i it does these halloween movies feel a little bit like partially they're sort of an ongoing franchise sort of moment but they it does it, it feels to me like there's some nostalgia for the original in them or that they're sort of appealing to some original fans and i know in that um like in the two last one halloween kills and halloween ends and i know this because of real housewives but they bring back like a lot of the original cast members in halloween kills um and it, so it feels a little like appealing to sort of fans of the original in a way beyond just jason being um sort of the killer and so i want i i don't have that feeling and so i think to me they feel a little 
all three of them, I, well, I've only seen two. I assume the third one too. But the two that I saw feel a little like pretentious or like taking themselves a little too seriously because it because they're referring referentially to something that I don't have strong feelings about. So I wondered where you were coming from for that. Yeah, I, I don't have strong feelings around the originals and I certainly don't have the depth of knowledge to appreciate like deep cuts or even like medium cuts. Uh, no, totally. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked the 2018 Halloween a fair bit and I, I might disagree and say that it didn't take itself that seriously with the 2018 one specifically. Mm, Mm -hmm. And then I think kills did and ends did, but I thought that the 2018 Halloween did a good job of just in general. I think it, I, I think it purely comes down to the writing and the dialogue and the acting. Like I thought that it was like, it was actually fun. I feel like there are a lot of funny jokes. The characters were fun. Some of them were fleshed out like, like um, the dad and the friends of the granddaughter. Um, I thought that they just, they had they had a pretty fun vibe, and I thought it was well done for specifically the 2018 one. Yes, no, and I and I saw that one in 2018, so my memory of it is further away. But I do remember it. Like that's just it's sort of just a good slasher film, right? And like, and I think good slasher films like Scream, like there is sort of a fun element to it, and you're like there's some jump scares, and you're sort of like getting to know this cast of characters, and then ending in a big showdown. And I thought it did that really well. Um, yeah, Halloween kills i thought was so over the top with drama and not a lot of sense making um lots of big speeches and sort of like dramatic moments and overacting it felt like to me so i i agree i think of of the two that i've seen 2018 definitely was better and like you know creepy and had yes better writing and was just sort of a fun slasher movie yeah i did not like i I thought kills was a pretty big drop off from 2018 yeah um, it was, it seemed like the main thing they were going for was obviously kind of like a violence infecting the community and causing them to resort to mob violence. It was a lot of like angry crowds yelling and trying to f- like scapegoating the wrong guy and wanting to tear him apart. And it was like, they like specifically like even went like blatantly like, now he's turning us into monsters. Yes. Like it was very on the nose of this bad dude has turned us all into monsters, but they were just acting like a crazy, angry mob. Um, and it, it doesn't have any of the charm of the 2018 one. It wasn't funny. The characters weren't as fun. There were a lot of long monologues and yes. cliches. And, and like serious glances. Yeah, that one took itself too seriously, I think. And like crazy mob violence and sort of mob mentality can be super scary. Like that, that could, that could be something that is like genuinely unsettling, disturbing, scary. And it just didn't, it did not hit. They sure were trying to go for something that just, yes, it was too on the nose and too sort of absurd in its seriousness. So of those three, but so then how about Halloween ends? I liked it definitely more than kills. I hinted at, I told you when we were talking about what we we're going to discuss, you haven't seen it. So I'm going to spoil it for you. If that's yeah, okay, that's I don't. I, I don't gather you're too invested. No, in that's. Franchise. I feel delighted to have it spoiled. They took it in a very weird direction, and it made a lot of fans angry. And myself, not being a hardcore fan, I actually kind of respect the bold choice they made. Uh, and so, 
it was it still wasn't as fun and it still was too serious and like just the writing wasn't as strong but what they did it was (laughs) they start the movie relatively early off there's this kid named Corey. maybe you've seen memes about halloween talking about Corey. there's this kid named Corey, who's like approximately college age he's like a awkward nerdy type guy he's babysitting for these really rich people and the kid is a punk he's a it's a boy who's i don't know like nine years old or something and the kid sucks and he's just a nerd trying to make money alleged like he talked about how he was gonna do it he was gonna study engineering so he's like got his whole life ahead of him and he's smart and he's putting up with this crappy kid and what they end up doing is so they're worried about michael my like some they hear scary noises and stuff and he's and they live in haddonfield illinois where all the halloween killings happen so he's obviously everyone's always worried oh and it's halloween night of course and so they're always worried about michael myers coming and killing everyone but the boy is a punk and he's like, Michael Myers doesn't kill kids. He kills babysitters. And he like, well, I can't believe I'm stuck with this ugly-ass boy babysitter. And <laughs> he's just being so stupid. And, and what the turn that they take is they the kid per, makes the babysitter scared. He locks him in a room and makes a lot of loud banging noises. And you can't – the movie doesn't make it clear if it's the kid pranking him or if it's actually Michael Myers. Ends up it's the kid. Corey – is increasingly worried and agitated and kicks the door and he eventually kicks the door open, but the kid was on the other side of the door and he flies over the banister down two stories and falls and is dead. (gasps) So Corey accidentally killed this kid and then they cut to, you know, three years later. And so they make it clear that Corey did not go to jail. He got off on a technicality or because of a successful defense, but his life is ruined. He's not a student. He's not studying engineering. He works at a junkyard. He's an outcast. He's a social outcast. Everyone thinks he's a weirdo who murdered a kid. Yeah. And, and uh, so everyone is picking on him and teasing him and say that he was the babysitter murderer essentially. And like 75% of the movie is focused on Corey and not Michael Myers or Laurie um interesting <laughs> yeah and that is the choice they made that is so crazy so long story short he gets teased and bullied um does he it, go on a killing spree he Corey? eventually becomes a murderer yeah oh, sure and he finds michael myers and michael myers does not murder him uh be, probably because he sees some kind of common connection sure. in him. yeah uh cory starts dating the granddaughter oh. uh, of lori from the the past two movies, the girl who played the granddaughter. So they start dating. Everyone else treats him as an outcast, but she's like, he's he's cute and he's sweet and blah blah blah. Like I, you know, I feel bad for him. At first, it seems like um, Laurie is like respects that she, that the granddaughter was able to look past that and and to see, but then she starts to see this darkness in this kid. Anyway, so he finds Michael Myers in a sewer, and he doesn't kill him. And then he starts bringing him victims. And so then Michael Myers is killing people with his assistance. And then he gets more actively involved with the killing. And eventually, essentially, he's his own murderer. And and at some point, he tries to murder Michael Myers and steal his mask and kind of become the new Michael Myers. And he continues to kill all these people who bullied him and treated him poorly. 
unsurprisingly, he did not successfully kill Michael Myers because Michael Myers is not easily killed. And so then he, there's a fighting, blah, blah, blah. End of the movie. He is probably dead. Pretty, pretty, pretty dead. But Michael Myers is super dead. He gets out, tries to kill Lori. Lori successfully defends herself. The granddaughter who is super mad um, at Lori the whole time because she didn't approve of this relationship. Uh, she comes and saves her at the last second and together they subdue him. And then uh, the most heavy handed part that's much too much like Halloween kills. The whole town comes out together to finish off Michael Myers like a uh, cathartic. Oh boy. <laughs> like like they he was stabbed and shot and probably dead. But uh, they, like, carry his body to the junkyard and put it, throw him in the grinder that you, like, grind up cars in and stuff. And so he is, like, super duper dead at the end of this movie. He is, like, torn to shreds. But, uh, yeah, like, they say things like, Michael, he's dead. Not dead enough. <laughs> and then they start, like, deciding on this, like, you know, vigilante justice. And, and they they say to the cop, like, this isn't how this works. And the cop is like, it is tonight. <laughs> so it's, like, just so ridiculous um, that they decide to do that. But, yeah, the point is... Mostly it's about Corey going from this promising nerd to an outcast to a murderer. And then incidentally, there's Michael Myers and also Michael Myers gets completely destroyed. And then they leave a question mark about whether Corey is dead or not. So they could like... I think he is fully dead, but it would be within the realm of these movies right. to say that he's not dead, yeah. I would say. like he should, I, have, he should surely be dead. I don't even sin- specifically remember yeah. the method. Yeah. But anyway... But my sincere apologies to Mike Myers, who I called Jason before. It's okay. That uh, shows how, yeah, how invested in these I am. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, oh, I respect that they made up a new villain and focused on the new villain and tried to make him sympathetic. It was weird. It wasn't very good overall. Oh. Did, my, did my housewife die? She did. Uh, she's the one who no. survived in the last movie. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't remember... Yeah, no, really well, but I don't think she's dead. So there's a lot of like weird, like victim blaming stuff with the whole town. So again, kind of like in kills, like so these these murders had an effect on the townspeople. They're kind of a bitter, angry town, and yes. so like when they see the kid around, they're like, "You're a murderer, you suck," blah blah blah. But then weirdly, people when they see Lori around, they're like, "You got my husband killed." You, like, brought oh, Michael boy. Myers out of the shadows, and he died, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, everyone's mad at her for some reason. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and humorously, this is the part that I wish you had seen. You were a band kid. I was. You were, in fact, the drum major. Yeah, I was the band kid, yeah. You're the, <laughs> ban- you're the alpha band kid. So, Corey, who, again, was probably... He must have been in his 20s. Like, the actor is probably in his late 20s, but he was supposed to be playing, you know, younger, I think. Anyway, he gets picked on by these band kids. Oh, no. Like, the main bullies are band kids in band uniforms <laughs> picking on him and teasing him and, and like, pushing him. And they the, the, real, the thing that really turned him was they pushed him. Uh, they got in a little bit of a fight, and they pushed him, and he went over a barricade and fell from, like, a... A, a kind of an overpass onto dirt below where there's like this hobo encampment. And so he kind of fell really far and got really hurt. And that was like what really triggered him and set him off. Anyway, these band kids, so funny. It was like, in what universe are the, the band cool bullies. kids? The bullies. <laughs> and famously, this takes place in Haddonfield, Illinois. And the main 
alpha band kid has like a weird like New York accent. <laughs> it, none of it made any sense. And the other big complaint I have is that the the granddaughter who is, is very prominent in this because again her, her Corey is her love interest and they start a relationship and it's a lot and a lot of the movie is about the relationship. She seems like a completely different character from the previous two movies. Like she's like so angry and like rebellious against her grandmother. Like she obviously is supposed to be like fallen into Corey's orbit and like, you know, been corrupted or something, but she's, she doesn't make sense to me as a character in this movie. You don't know. The writing doesn't seem like the most important to the people. I did. There was just an interview with John Carpenter and on Vulture or something that came on the internet. And he basically was like, I don't know. They have to pay me when they do these. So whatever. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot. There's, I see like a new snippet of a new John Carpenter interview all the time. He seems he's living his life to the fullest for sure. Yeah. He's a funny fellow. Oh, well, well, I thank you for watching the third one. So I didn't have to. No problem. (laughs) It's all about Corey. What do you think of the old and new Fright Night? Well, so I watched the old Fright Night a a long time ago when Gary and I were (laughs) making saved the dates for our wedding. And we were, we were up in, Um, my parents' house in Michigan. So it was like really dark and we just got a stack of like whatever the local library had um, for scary movies because it was Halloween weekend. And so they had mostly like old strange ones. And one of them was Fright Night, the original one, which we didn't know very much about. And I just have sort of a memory of like (laughs) in my head, like a guy with a popped collar and some like ladies and then like having the showdown with the vampire next door. But the idea of like a vampire moves in next door. Um, did you watch it after watching the new one, right? Yeah, I watched 2011 first because I heard that it was pretty fun and a good modernization, and it had a stellar cast the for cast, a 2011 movie. My goodness, yeah. Um, the 2011 one had Colin Farrell, Anton Yelchin, Dave Franco, David Tennant, and the guy who played McLovin, and Tony uh, Collette, mm-hmm. and Tony Collette. It had, yeah, it had so many awesome people in it. And it was pretty fun, I thought. Um, the old one, I don't think that the male star is independently too famous, but the guy who played the vampire character, the one that was Colin Farrell in the new one, was the guy who was Prince Humperdinck in Princess Bride. And that was pretty fun. And yes. the person who played the love interest was the woman who was the neighbor from Married with Children is the main thing I know her from. Um, oh, Interesting. So she she had a, a lengthy career after this, um, and Prince Humperdinck is funny. Um, and Prince Humperdinck was in the 2011 one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets, he's like a guy who just gets killed. <laughs> yeah. So they brought him back to murder him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had heard reverence for the 1985 version, and a lot of people say that the 1985 version is better. And I'm here to say I strongly disagree. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was I my memory of it it was like fine to lame, <laughs> I think. Did it felt very dated. It still feels very dated yeah. in the year 2022, oh, I would sure. say. Um, yeah, like it, the basic plot was very similar between the two. There are a lot of differences, but like so there's the guy um he befriends um, a guy from TV who does horror movie hosting and claims that he is a vampire hunter. And in the 2011 version, he's played by David Tennant, and it's a very funny, fleshed-out character. It seems like David Tennant trying to be, like, Russell Brand. Like, he's like a Lothario um, 
Yeah, like Russell Brand meets like um one of those TV magicians, sort of. I who's like yeah, like Chris guy. Angel. Yeah, yeah, Chris Angel, David Russell Brand, or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he and they do a lot where like they visit him and try to convince him to help them. Whereas in the 1985 version, it's like an old dude and. <laughs> He doesn't, he's not funny. He's just like, doesn't want to have a part of it. And he doesn't, he's not convinced and he doesn't think that vampires are real. Um, but there, like all the humor from that part was out. And, and in the new one, McLovin was pretty funny and he was the expert on vampires and was conv- trying to convince the main character that his neighbor was a vampire. And then the old one, his, best friend who they called evil ed what a rough nickname to have as like a high school or whatever had like vampire stuff but totally didn't believe the friend and was not like the driving force to moving things on and so like that relationship was way different but yeah i can't just i can't remember did the 1985 one uh was it trying to be funny or was it trying to be scary i forget or was it it mostly just scary it was not there wasn't a lot of levity i would say yeah that's what i think that's maybe partially why it it wasn't as good because I do think the 2011 one, like I legit was trying to have some moments that were scary and there were a few surprising moments and like the vampire was supposed to be sort of spooky, but it was like, it was kind of being like embracing its teen movie-ness and like it definitely was having fun with it. And there were some genuinely funny things. And I think David Tennant was funny and the McLovin guy was funny and there were some funny lines and they were trying to like deliberately be a little tongue in cheek about a few things. And I think that that made it, it makes it a better movie to watch. Whereas I think the 1985 one felt dated because it was from 1985, but then also when it was like, Ooh, spooky. And you're like, it's not really that spooky though. Team like that makes it feel more dated. There was one part that, uh, I was laughing at. So in this one, the main, the main guy is quickly onto his neighbor as being a vampire and he's trying to convince people and no one believes him and everyone thinks he's going insane pretty much. And one part that made me laugh pretty hard was when he was talking to his mom and it was a lot like, like um, Will Ferrell's character. Uh, but he was like, mom, I don't need hot cocoa. Mom, I'm not sick. And it was just really funny. Uh, that sort of dynamic with his mom was, was humorous, but, but overall it was not a very funny movie. No, I think just trying to be scary. And weirdly sexual. Both of them. Weirdly the sexual. vampire was digging on the girlfriend. It's even more overt, I think, in the old one. More yeah, problematic. Like sure. He, like, dances up on her in an 80s nightclub. Yeah, I didn't like that. And it's so gross. It was... There's... Both the old and the new had a lot of misogyny uh, problems. I, I, maybe 2011 is still old enough that you... I was going to say... surprised by that. It's, it is already pretty old, I guess, but it was I rough. Hope- 2011 the 2011 one was dated in its own way because it did feel i was sort of like oh boy um but it felt very i was like oh yeah there were a lot of movies like this like that weren't about vampires but just like sort of had this teen movie vibe that were pretty misogynistic and like weirdly sexualized and just a little tropey but i do think i think it was like purposely tropey and so that made it work but i it did i was like oh this is all the time this 2011 one mm-hmm. movie wise the last two i would like to hit are the 1987 hellraiser and the 2022 hellraiser you only saw the 87 hellraiser. i only saw the 87 one patrick i had no idea what that movie was about what i knew about that movie was the picture on the box or the cover you know when you put it on prime of 
Pinhead. And I knew, I think Gary had seen it as a child and was like, it's very scary. And like, it would be in the way that like the original Pet Cemetery that I saw a glimpse of when I was like six was very scary and now is strange. And so I just dove right into that one. And I was so surprised about what that movie was about. It was nothing like I expected. Me too. I was also very surprised. I also knew mostly just of, of Pinhead as a character. And I knew of the puzzle box itself. Um, I knew that it was somehow an evil thing that caused bad things to happen, but I didn't know the nature of it. But but I did not know about the basic plot of the movie, which is surprising. I thought that the Pinhead was like the bad guy and would be stalking its prey like yes. the whole movie. Like he was like a demon, essentially. Like Freddy Krueger or Jason. Like Pinhead is the bad guy and he will murder you. But that was not at all what the movie was about. Not at all. It was so... It felt very, I have read a few, like, um, I used, I used to, I have run out of time, but I used to read some, like, scary books during October, too, and so I've read a few of, like, the classic horror movies, like, Cujo, etc., that are from, you know, like, the the 60s, 70s, 80s, but, like, 70s, 80s, and this is based on a book from the 70s, I think, and it just, it felt very much like a book from that time, like, put on screen in this sort of clunky way in that there were like, you know, like the, the woman falling for the bad brother who's more sexually attractive than the man that she married and then willing to do anything for him, even in death and sort of like loosely, like the puzzle box comes from a foreign land. Don't worry about that too much. And, and just it was these broad strokes were very unexpected to me. Cause I, I thought it would be like, yeah, person finds box summons demon. It is not good, and they have to figure that out. And instead, it was sort of these like large passages of time where I don't know. Very early on, we're seeing pretty fake looking pieces of body like swinging around a room, and then we get this whole back story of this love story. And then yes, that it was these two lovers as sort of really the bad people who were glad when the demons come to take them away um, at the end. That was a very surprising turn of events to me. Yeah, so like the bulk of the movie is about the woman feeding dead bodies to the corpse of the brother-in-law to bring him back to life. And so it's like a serial killer movie, but the serial killer is the wife, surprisingly. Um, and, And you don't see Pinhead for so long in the movie like it it takes forever to get there and they certainly as you said gloss over any semblance of how any of this works what the puzzle box is who the cenobites are that's what they eventually yeah that reveal when, the name to be right when pinhead shows up he's got some strange friends who come too yeah. and <laughs> so they eventually are like we are explorers on the edge of you know experience and yeah. sensation and so they they don't explain anything. And I'm in like now having seen it, I'm pretty surprised it spawned like a multi-decade, you know, franchise. Obviously, people just liked the gothic masochistic visuals of the Cenobites and the puzzle box and the gory death. And they just like we will take this basic vibe and flesh it out over the course of decades. But yeah, I, they didn't explain anything. I was so surprised at how they didn't explain anything and how little Pinhead was featured. And that was mostly about just like bringing strangers to murder. Yeah, and then doing some body. like intense scenes of how good 
I sort of in quotes his like the makeup of like a reanimating corpse. Like if he gets like another layer of like muscle or nerves or blood vessels or something like this, the guy who was sort of being put back together from the murders was, I guess, impressive makeup, though. it Again, it felt dated, too. Like, I think maybe at the time I was trying to read a little bit about why it was such a popular movie. And it was like, I think people were fairly blown away by some of the effects of it. But yeah, it was I it was strangely acted. It was it felt very choppy. It felt like they just were taking like scenes and sort of putting them together. I too was blown away by how little they explained any of it. And so I am I am so curious to know what the new one is like and if they did a better job or if it how like how true to the original storyline it is or if they tried to like bring pinheaded more because that's sort of the expectation of a modern viewer. It is interesting. It is so different. I liked it. I liked the first half of it a fair bit. And I think it kind of lost steam. Um, it is, it is definitely. So it's, it's starring completely different people. In fact, famously, if anyone, anything about the new one, the main pinhead is a woman in this one. So they did. That's what I knew about it. <laughs> um, but so it focuses on this girl who is, a recovering drug addict and her boyfriend and they just like live in a really crappy apartment and so they just have a rough life um but they they like each other and they're trying to get clean and the the boyfriend is bad news he to make money he does things uh that are outside of the law his name is trevor oh and she has a she has a brother named matt who is like a, a goody goody two shoes essentially he's he obviously is also completely broke but he is much more morally righteous and he's trying to look out for his sister but anyway so trevor is bad news and it turns out that uh he says she needs money she gets kicked out of the apartment from by her brother and she's like i need money so what we're gonna do is he know he does these shady jobs for this super rich guy it turns out um he wants to steal something from this abandoned house and, and the, and they go into a shipping container in this huge mansion and the thing in there is the puzzle box. And uh-huh. so he, so she gets obsessed with the puzzle box and they, they go into much more detail explaining the puzzle box at the beginning of this movie. So the, so the guy that they're stealing it from, there's a, there's a sequence at the beginning where they, showed this guy murdering someone with the puzzle box essentially but then they show that there's different configurations and so you do different stages of solving the puzzle box and when you get to the final stage of the puzzle box you can essentially choose your wish and you can wish for like power or life or blah 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 uh and those are the different configurations there's the lament configuration there's the leviathan configuration blah 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 and so they go and so they find this guy's like journals and she's like messing with it and she like clicks things in pieces and what happens is she like it's like an evil object so obviously sure. in some way she's like m- magically enamored with it you yeah. know like unnaturally drawn to it and so she solves it what they showed in the beginning of the movie is when someone proceeded to the next stage a blade popped out of it and uh-huh. it cut him, and that's what drew the Cenobites in and the torture and stuff. And so she solved it, but she was holding it in such a way that the blade did not cut her, which seems like a bad design for this puzzle. Yeah, right. The yeah. Whole point. Uh, and so anyway, her brother finds her strung out, and he's worried about her, and he grabs it, and he gets cut. And so then he gets dragged away by the Cenobites 
Um, and so then she wants to save her brother. And so the impetus of the movie is her like figuring out more about the puzzle box and seeing if there's a way to get his, her brother back. The whole first half of the movie is kind of fun and well done. And then it has like good dialogue and characters. And, Wait, and, and that's kind of interesting because you're like, yeah. oh, what's that about? Yeah. Yeah. So and, and so it is way what the original one completely lacked in explaining the puzzle box and the Cenobites. Right. Because, so oh, my gosh, first... at the end, <laughs> at the end, the daughter is just like moving the box in different ways and like zapping people <laughs> at the original yeah. one. And we're like, we don't know what this box does, but apparently you figured out how to zap people with it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so and so this one, essentially, she meets Lady Pinhead and Lady Pinhead offers a deal like you didn't get you you know that was meant for you essentially if you bring us more bodies we'll leave you alone and you can make your wish when you solve it or whatever pretty much ah, so she okay. wants to get to the final configuration and uh get it and, and and the boyfriend is like what the hell's going on and just like one of the cool things like visually in the original one um you know when the xenobites are being dr- summoned like the room that you're in like kind of enters a new dimension and like the walls kind of open up and then there's like passageways and yeah. creepy lights. And so they do a lot of that stuff, which is kind of cool in the new one. Like whenever a new stage is unlocked, like the whole room like shifts in geometry and like, you know, so that's cool. Cause that's stuff. like the box doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, it starts to fall apart when this eventually a small group of people, the other two, the boyfriend of the of the brother and their roommate and the girl and her boyfriend. So the four of them are like on this mission, essentially together. Mm-hmm. They break into the mansion where the evil man had been obviously using the box and knowingly getting other people killed so that he could get the final secret wish. Mm-hmm. His name was Voight. He's like the main bad guy, but he's been dead for years. Turns out the the shady boyfriend was actually in cahoots with Voight and was not trying to get rid of the puzzle box, but was in fact trying to get to the final stage because Voight had gotten his wish, but he was in the house and he had like, he had, he looked like he had been tortured by the Cenobites. He had like a machine like going through his chest. Oh boy. And yeah. like he was, and so he wanted to undo his wish and not be in this like torturous device. And so he was just trying to wait for the next person to get to the final stage. And so the evil boyfriend had been helping him all along he was a double cross um and uh and yeah so the whole final half to third is kind of like those people trying to solve the thing but outsmart the cenobites and not get taken away and it takes place in the mansion and just kind of went on for too long i thought uh it, it lost steam when it was purely a okay monster movie with the cenobites and the and the mansion like it wasn't full. It wasn't scary enough. Um, but but anyway, it was it was cool. I like the first half more than the second half. It was interesting. Yeah, and it seems like it makes more sense than the than the original movie. I think what so. what's that one that we watched that I just didn't have? We watched last year uh, that I just didn't have the sense of humor for. That um, was like they find the book. It's maybe is it a Sam Raimi? Oh, one? Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah. I think I had more. I got more enjoyment out of the out of the absurdity of the original Hellraiser because it was so like overacted, like just absurd, like strange visuals, kind of just like 
over the top. I enjoyed that as like a, oh, this movie isn't good, but I'm like having a good time being like, what the hell? Then Evil Dead, I think Evil Dead was supposed to do that for me and it didn't. And I think I was, as I was thinking, I was like, oh, I think Hellraiser sort of ticked those boxes, but not intentionally. Like I think Evil Dead is intentionally over the top and absurd and then you're supposed to be a little scared, but then have the fun of that. And I thought it was just kind of dumb. Um, but Hellraiser was for sure dumb, but I like got that like, oh man, this is just absurd, but I'm having a good time, even though it doesn't make any sense and is pretty absurd for that. Yeah. And I think I agree. I think that's like one like entire category of people's enjoyment of horror movies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. And but I think that those are obviously like so different movies. Like they're both like over the top and gory and tough to take seriously but like famously evil dead was like com- completely indie shoestring budget like mm. no, no money at all whereas obviously hellraiser at the time was like huge budget right yeah, yeah big budget and good effects and again i think the fact that they were so dedicated to their like gothic horror aesthetic i think must have been a source of like people liking it because it was so it was so focused on its like weird aesthetic i think and i don't think there's any equivalent of that in evil dead it was just like yeah ridiculous yeah, i, I agree i think my equivalency of them is that i think they both were pretty bad but i had more fun watching hellraiser yeah yeah but i agree like um yes i that it was on a shoestring makes me appreciate um evil dead more but hellraiser was pretty bad you guys yeah it was I, again, I was I am surprised to learn that that was the start of this whole franchise. But yeah, and again, and it's just the fact that it wasn't even about Pinhead. Pinhead right. obviously just became a big deal after that. Yeah, surprise to me. That's all the movies. I just just like two minutes on Guillermo del Toro's Cabin of Curiosities because we had kind of put a pin <laughs> in oh, that boy. one to oh, to check it out because um, it looked cool from the trailers a long time ago. Unfortunately, for the purposes of this podcast. They released two episodes a day, all of the days, like right before Halloween. So I was not able to watch all of them and neither was Abby. So it, they were just released too late for me to get them all in. But I, I watched the first three and a half and I believe you watched the first four. Yes. Out of eight. Um, so I don't think we need to like go into the into depth on each episode or anything. But just what do you think of it overall? I, I'm enjoying it. Like I don't, I, it's not, it's not tremendously scary, but I'm talking about like, really solid vibes like if you're into again like monster show me the lore of your little room like i i think that it is like it's it's very good halloween vibes but it is also pretty to me sort of the scariest things have been um a little bit of like body horror like you know it is it's del toro so it there's like sort of very creepy weird creatures i was telling gary that it seems like the animal carcass slash entrails budget is high um like there's lots of sort of like juicy meat body as meat things happening so like that's sort of gross the second one i'm claustrophobic and there's lots of like crawling through tunnels and so that was like i felt heart in the throat for that but mostly i i've been enjoying it as like really cool vibes. Like I, I like Del Toro at the beginning, sort of opening it before every episode. He sort of like open goes to a cabinet, an actual cabinet of curiosities, and sort of introduces the story that's going to come. I like that sort of old fashionedness of yeah, it. And then I think very, that like, they, Twilight Zone, yeah, totally, like Hitchcock presents or something. Mm-hmm. And I like that they are 
really tight little short stories of, you know, and they sort of like pick a thing and, and then accomplish that thing in, in the hour. And I think that that's, if you guys, if anyone is in the mood for just ha- watching something that is Halloweeny and might be a little creepy, a little sort of potentially like, you know, scary movie disturbing, I think these are scratching that itch for me in a way that I'm enjoying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I was hoping for them to be a little scarier. Yeah. They aren't very scary. And a little tighter i don't know like the writing or something I, like they they're obviously like pretty high budget for being you know 40 minute to one hour episodes of a tv show like there's some there's a lot of effects in all of them that i've seen so far they have pretty good actors and like you know it's well made it's well put together um but like some of the stories are a little leave me a little wanting um, but it's it's a fun time, especially the third episode. I liked a, a fair amount more than the first two episodes. And I looked um, at IMDb, and it by far has the highest ratings of all the episodes. Like oh, there, interesting. There's mm-hmm. some variance in, in what people rate them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little hit or miss, but it's pretty fun. I'm glad it exists. Uh, yeah, I love Guillermo del Toro's intros. He seems like he's just like this little nerdy guy who just really <laughs> loves horror and just really wants to tell you about it. And he, he he's endearing doing his intros. Um, so yeah. And I do we... think, I think the high budget hour long thing gives them some mass appeal that I think maybe is going to like always prevent them. I agree. The writing is not always tops, but I think that is how it's like, it's, it's delivering good vibes. Like it's delivering like Halloween feelings. Um, and so I think that can be sort of enjoyable. I probably will watch more of them. To see what's up. But my thing, you mentioned earlier that in Lamb, the people encountering like half lamb, half human and being like, huh, all right, I'll raise you. My <laughs> thing throughout all of this, I feel like no one is reacting appropriately for a very long time in all, in every episode that I've watched is that they see something very, very scary that if you were looking in front of you and seeing a person without a face or um, like a, a rotting dead body or... Um, it's something that you thought was dead walking towards you universally. They just blank face, let it happen. And then they get Mm -hmm. scared later. But there's been, that has happened in every episode is that something pretty disturbing happens. Um, I think actually the fourth one has been the best about there's like weird skin stuff happening on this person. And her husband is like, my man, like that looks terrible. Like that was the only like actual reaction, but there's been a lot of people the first time they encounter something actually scary in the episode and they're just like, huh. And I, I think maybe it's cause they're trying to like let the scene play out for the viewer to react. So they were like, don't overreact actor. I'm not sure, but I've been, I've been very struck by people having an exceptionally delayed reaction to the first scary thing that they see on screen. Yeah. Structurally, I think, you know, the first two were really similar yeah. in a lot of ways, surprisingly so to me. Structurally, I think all of them so far have been deliberately just pure vibes and slow burn to start with. And they wait until like a third act to really unleash the true horror that's at the heart of the story. And and so maybe, yeah, the the underreaction is part of that. I don't know. Like they, they're just trying to, you know, these people within these universes maybe don't believe their eyes or you know they're they're underreacting because creepy stuff happens all the time but it's never really a big deal and now we're gonna uh you know it'll take something really extraordinary to get a an extreme reaction out of them i guess but i, I, guess. I agree they i guess they <laughs> i agree they underplayed also um 
sur- surgery and autopsies appearing in a lot of these things. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, multiple of these episodes and Crimes of the Future. Um, a lot of what oh is... fresh fresh had a lot of surgery. Oh boy. Stuff. Um, yeah. Another common theme, which of course makes sense when you're talking about horror movies. But anyway. Yeah, well, and and the fourth episode, there's a lotion, and it really the sound effects for the lotion, I think, are probably like the same sound effects that they used for like peeling skin, or I don't know. It's (laughs) there's lots of gooiness in this, and I will the our Netflix series have the past few years because there's been again like Haunting of Hill House and whatever the Midnight Mass. I forget the one in between. Bly Manor. Yeah, Bly Manor. Like those have been. I've sort of relied on those every year for. Again, I don't I don't always think they land the plane and Midnight Mass was not as scary as the first two haunted house ones, but like those have been the ones that actually have sort of scared me every year in some ways and in terms of, you know, it it's a ghost, there's jump scares, whatever. And I I do think I was like, Oh, and so the Cabinet of Curiosities will be that this year and that has not been true. It's been a little bit more like Twilight Zone sort of like, here's a little story in a strange circumstance that will be fun to travel along with, but um, certainly not actually scary in any way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and Mike Flanagan did do The Midnight Club this year. Oh, right, which I didn't watch. I didn't watch because it seems like and there's no pro. Not everything has to be targeted at me, but <laughs> it seems like it's targeted at like teenagers. Like it just yeah. doesn't seem like it's for me. And yeah. so I was, it wasn't very high on my list. I will look forward to the fall of the House of Usher that he's yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. So mm-hmm. yeah, he did do one again this year, but it just didn't seem up my alley. So I didn't even check it out. And I was also pinning my hopes on this one. And again, it's fine. It's good. It's just not amazing. But no, it's not amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's about it, I think. Hopefully you had a fun time talking about it and people liked hearing about it. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I I love this. I hope people, anyone tunes in. We get any listen to this and we continue this tradition because Pat and I enjoy doing it. And I'm hoping next year to get to watch more with you, Pat, which is always fun because it's fun to talk about them at, in the moment too. Um, I feel like I did okay for having a two-month-old, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. A commendable. Thank you, Pat. Way to go. You, well, I hope that you sleep in November sometime. I will. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sleep is for, for later, but I'm going to get there now. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for chatting. Thanks Yay. for going on a deep dive and all this stuff. Thanks, Pat. And, happy uh, Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. I hope this is recorded before Halloween. I hope you have a fun actual Halloween with your family. Thank you. And you too. Hello. We are back with our second guest of the episode. My friend, John Rhodes. Hello, John. How are you? Hi, Pat. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. It is right at the end, the peak of alleged so-called spooky season. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm feeling good. How do you how do you feel about spooky season, John? And do you like the phrase spooky season in addition to the actual season itself? I don't especially like the phrase spooky season, but I find myself saying it pretty regularly it is easy to slide into conversation and feel somewhat fun better than saying october fall almost halloween whatever else but it doesn't seem like a cool thing to say yeah i i I find myself saying it a lot but also not loving it probably and and like when i see like stuff on the internet or like products talking about spooky season that puts me off but yeah 
but I do like the actual season itself. I like Halloween. I like scary movies. I like trick or treating with the kids. Not for me. And uh, yeah, I like getting in costume for things, themed costumes, family costumes. There's a lot of stuff to do. Lily says it's her favorite holiday above Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the other stuff. She loves Halloween. I like all the holidays I get off for work more than Halloween. But of the ones I don't, Halloween might be. Mm, Expectations for Halloween are still too high. I don't like that I'm supposed to find something to do on Halloween or else I'm an asshole. You got kids, you got something to do. Oh, yeah, lots of things. I'm like supposed to find a party that I wear a costume that cost me $100 to go to. I don't want to do that. There you go. Why not? Let me tell you, I didn't find one. Oh, yeah? Bad job by me. Okay. Well... Okay, one, that's what I get. I come on the show and I get, get okay. You get you. I was going to say I have one not child Halloween event that I'm going uh, this Saturday. Oh, so you, so you're going to rub that in my face too. I I stumbled backwards into being cool despite having children. And I bet I'm not invited to this. I mean, I I could ask. Is it, it is uh, Chris Jones's? Don't party. ask. I'm not. I'm not ask. going. You can I wouldn't Jones. go if I were if you gave me money. Okay. So sounds fun though. It should be fun, I hope. It is a um, costumes encouraged party or something to that effect. So I'm going to go as Mario because that's what I have for this year. So, John, you are tepid about Halloween itself. How do you feel about scary movies specifically? Well, if tepid is our baseline, I am decidedly sub-tepid. I don't like scary movies because they are too scary for me. So what is a movie that is... What is the threshold for too scary for you? What is like the peak scariness that you tolerate and enjoy? And what is past that? I can watch. Well, I have watched and enjoyed the like John Carpenter Halloween movie. The original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so like horror movie. So yeah, it's it's a horror movie. It's not, it doesn't compare guts or jump scares or thrills or whatever to modern things but like things like that that i think of that are like important good movies i can get up there and 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 watch it and enjoy it and cover my eyes with the necessary parts um but like i saw the first saw movie in the theater and it was one of the worst experiences of my life please note i didn't say movie theater experiences theater experiences (laughs) period yeah. Oh, I think I fucked it up the second time, but you know what I'm getting at. Experiences of your life. Yeah, you know? exactly. One of the worst things. Uh, I like horror movies, and I have no interest in seeing any of the Saw movies. I have never seen one, and I yeah. am not surprised that it didn't go well, probably. I had a bad time. How do you, Have you seen any Jordan Peele horror movies? Any what movies? Jordan Peele. Uh, I saw Get Out, and that's amazing, but I have not seen any of the others. Okay. And that was fine. That was not too scary or no. I didn't have gory. any trouble with that at all. Okay. Like so, I, I, I guess I could say uh, when I was carving pumpkins, spooky season, uh, bona fides established uh, la- last weekend. We watched the Babadook. I saw the Babadook. That was okay. That's that's pretty scary. That was a couple years ago. Um, like Jen also doesn't prefer watching scary movies and takes some convincing for any level of scary and uh she had a real problem with babadook and got real mad whenever i would 
jokingly reference the Babadook after we watched it together. So that's a legit, that's a legit like horror movie for sure. Uh, maybe I'm just bad at this because I didn't think that was very scary at all. So, so maybe I, I don't know what is a scary movie and I'm missing out by not watching them, but okay, so what, I didn't besides, have any trouble with that. Besides Saw, what have you seen that was too much for you? Uh, after I watched Saw, I stopped watching anything I thought might be scary. I think it sounds like you probably have a fine tolerance. You just don't want like a, like a violent porn gore fest. But part of it is I don't know what's going to be what. If only you had a friend who talked who about had a spoiler-filled scary. podcast I could yeah, listen to. exactly. I could tell you exactly how much they are. I mean, I can't directly compare them to Saw. Maybe I'll take the bullet and I'll watch Saw. And don't I watch say, Saw. If that's this what is, comes of this, we fucked This is out. 90% Saw. This is 50% Saw. I will, I will guide you down the right 10%. Path. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that sounds like you have a fine tolerance and you just don't like saws. What it sounds like to me. I don't like saws. And oh, wait, wait. I saw, get out. I saw, uh-huh. uh, one of those, I was at a party and they had one of those Rob zombie movies on, not one of the Halloween ones, but like thousand corpses or the other one. Yeah. I didn't like that very much. That was pretty bad too. I think that's considered pretty extreme too. I, I yeah. feel like, but again, I, I just I don't know what's what. And so, and, and here's the other thing: I don't like. I like Halloween. Okay, I love The Shining, but it's like barely a scary movie. Part of the problem here is, like, I watched The Babadook and it was fine, but I wasn't like, I didn't think it was a very good movie. And so, like, mm-hmm. the upside is also not really there for me. I like the ideas of these stories but I generally am not like blown away by the execution of them. And so it's like, if it goes really well, I'll get a B B minus movie. And if it goes poorly, it'll be one of the worst experiences of my life. So why would I do this? So I think we're closer in opinion than you expect. I think most horror movies are pretty bad. And, and the reason that I watch such a high volume of them is because I'm seeking out the good ones and i th- i think most of them fail and so i ag- i agree to a certain extent that like on average they're pretty crappy i think that the ceiling is higher than a b and it sounds like maybe you think that like get out was above a b um, well yeah get out's way above a b but also like it didn't it wasn't too hard for me to discern i i could see which way the wind flew it was like maybe i can watch get out and have a good time and it's not just going to be they show you some cutting somebody in half and then say that was a good movie well, I think you're going to be fine and you can watch a lot of the movies we're about to discuss. So people may be wondering, they're listening to this and they're saying this guy hasn't watched and doesn't want to watch almost any horror movies. Yeah. Why is he on this show? Good question. And the reason is because we are talking, we talk a lot, we chat a lot on the phone, text chat and stuff. And uh, I wanted to tell you, I desperately wanted to tell you specifically about the movie Men because it got so insane and you enjoyed hearing the insanity of that movie. And you said that you actually enjoy having scary movies spoiled for you. Yes, this and is I, true. And I thought, well, this year, Abby is very busy. She has a new baby. She isn't able to watch that many movies. You are a perfect guest. No pressure to watch any of these movies. I can just spoil every single movie I want to talk about. And you will receive that information and react to it accordingly. Um but you don't care that it's spoiled, so you're a great guest for the second half of this episode. That's what I think. And in theory, I will enjoy it because, like, as, as we discussed, I will frequently 
not be willing to watch a specific scary movie and not not be willing to, not have any desire to. But then I will read the Wikipedia page for it to be like, oh, man, look at the crazy shit they do in this one. What a shitty movie. I'm never watching less. <laughs> there you go. What a shitty movie I wouldn't be able to handle. How do you feel about spoilers in general besides the genre of scary movies that you have no intention of ever watching? How sensitive to spoilers are you? Every now and then someone will, you'll be on social media and people will be like, here's a link to a study that shows that spoilers are not that actually impactful. And that if you hear how the thing ends, it doesn't really matter. And you, you still enjoy the thing just as much as before. And I think those are surveys or polls or whatever their research format is of people who are decidedly unlike me. I hate being spoiled for something that I actually intend to watch. If I know I'm going to watch the movie, I do not watch the trailer because I've already got like the trailer is for selling me the movie. I will not be more excited to watch the movie if I know way more if I'm already going to watch it. We are almost complete opposites in this regard. Yeah. Specifically, I generally don't care about spoilers very much at all. Like, for instance, I remember you were extremely sensitive to possibly having the new season of I Think You Should Leave Spoiled, yep. which is a sketch comedy show. I didn't, I didn't want to know what the jokes were in advance. I'll decide what the funny parts are. And that was like a little bit mind-boggling to me that like a, a sketch comedy was within the realm of having a problem. And but so I don't care about most spoilers. I don't care about general plot stuff. Especially I play a lot of video games. I I engage with pop culture. Like video game enthusiasts are often insane about spoilers and I am not and obviously like people who are way into like Marvel movies are insane about spoilers. I don't care about any of that unless it's supposed to be like a huge twist. So my exception where I do care about spoilers is only something that is deliberately like a twisty turny surprise and it therefore like will lessen your enjoyment of not of having known that twist. And I think horror movies are particularly a bad one to be spoiled for you because like the element of surprise is important to being scared. And so if you know what's coming, then you have, you don't have the experience of, of the scary movie itself. So I kind of only care about scary movies and don't care about almost anything else. And you don't care about scary movies and care a lot about everything else. I do think we agree in a way that perhaps you aren't conceptualizing well. You singled out sketch comedy in particular, but what is so much of sketch comedy but twisty, turny surprises? You don't know what that that last turn in the sketch is going to be. And when they give you the Netflix trailer for I Think You Should Leave, it is very frequently going to be the escalation moment. So I think that should be where we're most concerned. They're going to tell you, here's the last big twist, big turn in this sketch. And you'll just know before you even get there what it's going to be if you watch that trailer. I think that's that's a just like a mind, scary movie. In my mind, these are very different. Specifically, and you might disagree. I think you, you're way more into comedy than I am. And you, I'm sure, like experience comedy differently than I do. But for for me, like for instance, you and other people, a lot, most people rewatch comedy that they enjoy and they laugh at the parts that they think are funny in subsequent viewings. And like, I think that you can think something is as funny or, or funnier upon repeat viewings, whereas you will not find something 
you will not be surprised by something the same way that is supposed to be scary. You can enjoy a scary movie multiple times, but I think it is more of like a reveling in what you already know. Uh, like, like, you know, you might laugh at the scary parts the second time you watch it, or you might just, you know, enjoy the familiarity of it. But the experience the second time through having been spoiled, I think is experientially quite different than going through a comedy the second time, which is, can often be as funnier, funnier. Um, you, I'm guessing that you, yeah, your, your viewing and experience of, of taking in a comedy is just different than what I'm conceptualizing as perhaps. I think that's likely true. Yeah. Anyway. That's so my point is I don't like having scary movies spoiled for me. I I will watch a trailer most of the time. I'm not so sensitive that I avoid all knowledge for the most part, but like some of these movies we're, we're talking about specifically for instance like Barbarian, everybody that I know who was like go into it knowing absolutely nothing. They like advised you sternly to like go in as unaware as possible. And and some movies are like that. And so I, I went in pretty clean. Uh, but again, just like every other year that I do this, this entire podcast will be extremely uh, spoiler-tastic. So I will put in timestamps. But if you have any interest in watching these movies and don't want them spoiled, you're going to have to skip the entire segment as a heads up. So the first movie on the list that I want to discuss with you. Sure. How many movies have you watched on this? How many movies on this list? This list is large. Uh, so here, I'll tell you exactly. I think so. I every year I compile an aspirational list, uh, or at least an interest level. That's list. the one you want to breathe over. Yes, I, I aspirate. Um, it is fifty-seven movies long, as far as what I had noted as possible movies of interest. That's, that's too many. And I ended up watching, I think, about twenty-five or twenty-six. And when did you start doing this? Well, I started a little bit ahead of time. I, I started earlier than I did in the past because I knew also as previously mentioned that abby was going to be um unavailable and so i was trying to stretch it out a little bit but as always happens with this there are a lot of movies that i really wanted to watch and it came down to the wire and so in the last two weeks it got pretty intense uh and i've been watching several movies a week for the past week or two for sure uh and it has been it has come at a cost for me personally. Yeah, yeah. What what have your uh, responsibilities have you been sacrificing due to this? Exclusively, I'd like to think if I am at least a maintenance level of functional, I think the only thing I've truly sacrificed is my sleep. Um, I, I have tried to continue maintaining all other responsibilities and even social uh, obligations and haven't been ditching out on those things, but I have been routinely watching a movie a full-length movie after everything else is done i'm done with hanging out with the family putting the girls in bed hanging out with jen jen's in bed playing video games if i played video games and then i will start an extremely horrific movie at 11 or 12 and go to bed at like one and uh that has taken a toll on me johnny that a good idea I'm a little tired, but it's been... And so you you recently recorded a podcast with Jen, and you asked her a lot of questions about how she felt about my behavior, uh, about the taco challenge. Do you want to talk about your other behavior in addition to this? Like, do you want to talk about what you're wearing right now? <laughs> with, like, what things you're wearing on your face? I have... 
just two things on my face that are not well three i have headphones i need the headphones i want to have side of your head more than face um i'm i have a mustache right now a nice bushy mustache big mustache yeah bigger than the last time i saw it i thought i knew how big it was but it's good right next Uh, Jen hates it too. So that you asked her about how I felt about how she felt about hey, that. Yeah, I think the sunglasses should come up before we move on. I also have aviator sunglasses right now to complete the big look. black aviators. I've been trying to throw John off kilter for this entire recording by frequently changing. I'm unshakable. I'm yes, he's an unflappable individual. We call him Johnny No Flaps. Um, That's not accurate. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm wearing aviators and I have a mustache. I look like a. What's Jen think? What's Jen think about that mustache? She hates the mustache, and Lily hates the mustache. Although she has treated me essentially normally after she said she would not talk to me till, for like years, pretty much. Um, and you also asked her about the taco challenge, where I've been eating Taco Bell every day for the past three weeks, and I have one week left um, because there was a bet there. And overall, Jen said that she is not that phased by these shenanigans because she's used to your bullshit. Exactly. I will say, if it ain't this, it's something else. Yeah. And I think she's more worried about me staying up to stupid hours in the middle of the night to watch horror movies. I can't watch scream 32 because I have until three in the morning because I have to go buy tacos at Taco Bell at 1145 first. Yeah. it, It is a snowball effect. So, I think she thinks that this is the most alarming behavior out of all of these recent problems. And uh, this is the funny, this is the funny quote, air quotes, funny part. For sure, when I woke up this morning, my left eyelid was twitching because I didn't get enough sleep. And I was like, I think I need to get a little bit more sleep. Now, do you think it was because you didn't get enough sleep because you had too much sodium or because your follicle content was too high? <laughs> I, I actually, I had a twitchy eyelid that I was a little bit concerned about because it was so persistent uh, a couple months ago. And I started taking um, magnesium because sometimes it can be like a muscle twitch thing. And so magnesium is supposed to be good for that, but that didn't help at all. And I just started getting more sleep and it went away. And okay. I'm sure that it is specifically because of sleep. It was like, it was just such a, it was just like a bright red alarm saying you need to stop this. Your eye is twitching. And my so are you? Are you? Ex- I mean, you're you're close to the conclusion of a lot of these things. Yeah. Are you, th- you going to have like a November that you you more or less sleep through after not having to do all this bullshit now? I mean, obviously, I have to do Movember and have a mustache through the, for the month of you, you can't do that because your <laughs> wife will leave you. So she, yeah. you, you shave the mustache the day after Halloween. She is uh, insistent on that, yes. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with her on that one. Now, um, yeah. if you want to keep eating Taco Bell every day, that might be a good idea. I do not plan on doing that and will certainly slow down from the baseline rate for a little while. I'm not tired of it. I like it a lot still, but it has, has been a lot of Taco Bell, and so I should pump the brakes for my own (laughs) self-preservation um so yeah maybe maybe november will be just a a cleansing month and i'll just feel like a million dollars going into the holidays and the end of the year will you take the sunglasses off now thank you so the first movie on the list that i want to discuss with you nicholas cage's vampire's kiss did you in fact watch that movie 
I did watch this movie. This is a movie that I had uh, heard good things about and been interested in watching for a while. And then you showed me your list and you're like, if there are, if there is anything you want to watch, you could watch it. And I was like, I will watch Vampire's Kiss. And I did. What did you think of the movie Vampire's Kiss? I completely hated it. <laughs> F minus, not exaggerating. Could you put Jen on mic for a while? Did you watch fucking Vampire's Kiss? That movie yeah. sucks. Did you watch the... Wait, wait, wait. Which one's Vampire's Kiss? Nicolas Cage abuses yes. women and is a shithead Holy the entire time shit. and it's not funny. And then and they're when... like, oh, this is a black comedy. Nothing's funny. There was no. Maybe, there was like oh, ten oh, oh, minutes. An hour and ten minutes laughing. into the movie, yeah, yeah. it's like let's do a comedy now. All we've done the entire time is watch him uh, tear women's shirts open so we can look at their boobs, and then ab- abuse his uh, women of color uh, yeah. subordinate at work. That's the entirety yes. of the first hour and five minutes. Yes. F minus. Yes, it was extremely bad. And now every time I hear someone be like, "That's my favorite Nicolas Cage performance." I know I about you. To- Yes, exactly. I'm going to have to stop. Told on yourself. Exactly. Like, yeah, I get it. He was extra. That movie was garbage. Though. Yeah, bad, so. bad movie. But again, but to be clear, I, I told Pat the same thing. Uh, he didn't he did not even encourage me to watch the movie. I was an idiot and I had had that on like a list of movies I wanted to see eventually. Yeah. And so when he showed me his list, I was like, I don't think that's supposed to be that scary. I'll actually watch that one. And what an idiot I was. Yeah, see, and when you said you watched it, I bookmarked for later, Pat, why the fuck did you tell John to watch yeah, yeah. that Yeah, he did, yeah, he did not in any way try to make me watch this movie. So that's entirely my fault. Yeah. But I Because people say that it's a movie you should see. Yeah, I always, it was always, I always saw it. And I, I had seen that scene where he does the alphabet. Like, weirdly, the one scene in the movie where he's not, like, abusing any women, that's the one that went viral. You'd think it'd be the opposite. But yeah, it's just him talking to his other rich bros. I'm but. sure I've mentioned this before, but my parents and Pat and I briefly were like working our way through the AFI top 100 movies. Not briefly, for like four years we were. Um, and I am often surprised by how much classic movies will just have like a horrible racist subplot or a horrible sexist subplot or just lots of casual racism or sexism just like egregiously sprinkled in and like no one ever mentions that and like sometimes it's the thing where it's like oh yeah i get it standards change over time but like sometimes it's like this where you're like no this movie's not watchable anymore this one there i mean I suspect that if I fast forwarded to where he starts being a vampire and gets his teeth and wanders around, even even then he still goes to the club and kills that woman. And I would not be, but, but like there are things on the street where he's just by himself that I might find funny. Yeah. But I, you, you already showed me the other part. You can't show me that and then tell me it's funny. Right. right. I'm just like, can he just fall in a man it's fall in the sewer and die? That's, yeah, that's like, what I'm, I want to see. I'm that deeply would be deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. Ugh, that movie. I won't go better yet. <laughs> uh oh. The next one I want to talk about is the Black Phone. What is your level of familiarity with the Black Phone? This is the movie from Forgetting Sarah Marshall that they talk <laughs> about, and he says, "Just hang up," and it's funny. That I like Forgetting Sarah Marshall a lot. Um, it is not that. Do you even know what this movie is at all? I don't know what this is. This one... I've people, heard the title. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It is a 
very standard horror movie. It's starring Ethan Hunt. No, I mean Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. Ethan Hawke. Starring Ethan Hawke as the bad guy in a incredibly unpleasant role. It it was a screenplay based on a book or short story by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. And it is like the most derivative of Stephen this King's. This time nepotism was good, right? It was not good. No. So <laughs> it it is um it is about it is a very much like the plot of it. It it is Oh, that's a, especially egregious. Yes. He ripped off his yes. dad. How about um, haunting of Hell House if we're gonna just go find a book to rip off? Exactly. It Anything is it is that. like a small town and creepy and there's some kind of monster abducting kids and the kids never come back. And Jesus. this one kid is smart and wants to figure out what's going on and solve the problem. And it just it just followed so many like cliches in so many different ways and people kind of like people liked it some people liked it a lot and i thought it was just so derivative in so many ways like uh the opening credits were exactly like the show american horror story or any other modern horror thing was like jarring music and quick cuts of grimy like footage and then just quick cut quick cut quick like oh here's here's a rusty saw here's a barbed wire fence and and just like so by the book and standard and boring. The da- the bad guy, Ethan Hawke, he oh, the kid had uh an alcoholic dad who wanted to beat him up. Uh the sister was like comic relief and was maybe psychic and she prayed to baby Jesus and swore at baby Jesus for not helping and the people in the audience with me laughed and I was very disappointed. The whole gimmick of the phone itself. So he, so the main kid gets abducted and so he's in this like basement dungeon of Ethan Hawke who wears like a creepy like clown slash Guy Fox mask sort of thing. And there's this disconnected black phone in the basement and then the kid starts receiving calls and it's all the other kids who have died in this basement calling him and trying to help him escape. And so they slowly give him clues about how to do it. Like, no, you can't, if you, he left the door unlocked, but if you go through the door, that's a test and he's just going to beat you. You can't go through the door. You, that's that he wants you to do that. And so they are telling him all this information. And then essentially the conclusion of the movie is he combines all of the stuff that he learned to outsmart Ethan Hawke's character, like the combination to a lock and he dig dug a pit and he had stakes that he got because he dug a hole in the wall that was on the other side of the fridge so that he could throw the stakes so that the dog wouldn't attack him. Just like everything fell exactly into place because he, all these dead kids told him on this black phone and that was the whole movie. And it was stupid. This sounds abysmal. It, it, it sounds like we're trying to work some saw elements into this making it all a big murder puzzle box in addition yeah. to everything else i i feel like like ethan hawk's character was not deliberately setting it up as a puzzle box like he wasn't trying to torture him and say like figure play the game figure it out it was just like the kids had previously figured out little pieces and he was kind of able to put it together but yeah it was just extremely derivative it's my overall is it in any way trying to get into some sort of, uh, it almost sounds adjacent to time loop stuff where you have to learn from your previous experiences and 
they call you on the phone. I mean, it's not that far removed. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I would say, like, I don't believe that it took from time loop structure very much, but it definitely, it had like a game, like an escape room. Definitely 100% like an escape room thing. But um, it was was gamified, but it was not, I I don't know if necessarily, uh, yeah, you could say, oh, those were, those were previous players who died in the game. They failed but they can pass on their knowledge. It was, he was going through a rogue light. Um, <laughs> he, the other people were having their stats reset by getting murdered by Ethan Hawke. And he was the one who was able to put together the perfect run. It was dumb. And I am sad that people liked it and laughed at it and whatnot. And so is, is, is this movie well received? I don't know anything about this. Before. It was, it was modestly well received. It was definitely better received than I think it should have been personally. Okay. It was, I thought it was just, yeah, extremely I, trite. I'm 1,000% never going to watch this. Yeah. I was going to say, how has your opinion changed having now? I didn't. Well, it went down because I didn't know what it was, and now I think it sucks. Yeah. I agree. It's gonna, um, I mean, it, honestly, if you just said there's a horror movie, I would have had not had a neutral opinion. I would have had a negative opinion. But now what, if, what I've heard, it's more negative. I think... Every other movie that we're going to talk about is better than those two movies. I liked all of them except for one. Wow. And that one that I didn't like had redeeming qualities. Pretty good. Do you want to go to a good one or do you want to go to the one that was disappointing? (laughs) Let's go to a good one. Let's switch it up. All right. Netflix's Incantation. What do you know about Incantation? Is this the Naomi Watts thing? Is any of this the Naomi Watts thing? It does not have Naomi Watts. Okay, it what was is this? made in Taiwan. Okay, that doesn't help me. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a Taiwanese horror movie that has kind of a vibe of other curse-based Asian horror, like The Grudge, Juan, uh, that sort of thing, and so. It, it can be kind of like um, it is like those other movies and, and it, it is it was very scary. It was one of the scariest things I watched this year. It is. Yes. How frequently do you get scared by movies like for real? You say this sounds like this actually scared you. I don't think I get actually scared almost ever. I, right. I okay. think there were like thrilling parts that were, and definitely things. What that about chills? There were thrills. Were there chills? There were chills. Yes. Oh, wow. OK. Um. Yeah, so there's a lot of really disturbing imagery. So essentially, as I said, this is kind of like a, yeah, like The Grudge or something. Um, there is this person who's narrating the movie violated a terrible taboo, and therefore she is being punished by some malevolent force. And she doesn't tell you exactly what happened. They kind of go backwards to show that she was like with this group of friends and they went back to this guy's like ancestral village. And there's like this, they're super, it's like a cult essentially in the middle of nowhere. And they, they go into this forbidden cave that they're it's not in the middle of nowhere to. in Taiwan. Yeah. I mean, it's like in like a isolated woodsy hilly area. Yeah. Okay. Um, they go into this forbidden cave that you're not supposed to go into and then they keep going deeper into it and they find this terrible horror and they defiled it essentially. And then everyone's getting um, murdered and terribly uh, destroyed by it. And so it was actually scary. The The weird thing, the one one part that wasn't too effective for me is they kind of, they tried to have a twist ending 
the idea was that um, incantation, the whole point of the name of it and the, and the metaphor of it is that essentially you can kind of will things into existence. And it started off with a narration talking about like optical illusions and stuff. And so like, there's this like old fashioned choppy clip of a train going down a tunnel and your mind thinks that it's going one way, but if you think about it, it it could also be looking. It's such a choppy animation that it could be going the opposite direction that you thought it was going before. And there's a lot of like similar stuff like that, where it's like mind over matter. You can you can perceive things differently, and you can affect change, uh, and and to the extent of a supernatural level of of you know kind of having a a will to impact things then um and and she shows you these symbols and she says to like memorize these symbols and to say these words and then at the end of the movie she's like i wasn't being completely honest with you those symbols that i had you memorize and the words that i had you chant that was the curse and i yeah. was unburdening my curse upon you the viewer <laughs> by having you participate in this. And now you're going to get, you know, destroyed by this crazy curse and stuff. And it was like, yeah, that was kind of predictable. The optical illusion stuff, kind of a stretch for actual manifestation of good or ill will. Um, but it was, but the actual scary parts were very well done, I thought, and, and pretty creepy and good. It, it, I mean, it's the actual scary parts being good is probably a big thing. I like that. It sounds like this movie was probably very influenced by older scary movies like that that one scene sounds like it was probably heavily influenced by what i would would, i think most people have to acknowledge is the scariest movie of all time which is the one where the train goes right at the camera everybody (laughs) screams and runs out of the theater it was just like that Mm -hmm. yeah it sounds horrifying um i will say a lot of the plot that i didn't even touch upon was the woman um had a daughter and she started mysteriously getting, she was like the vector for this ill spirit. And so she was, she was getting like mysteriously ill and then kind of like possessed. And so there's a lot of weird stuff about the daughter and the relationship with the daughter. Apparently there's a lot of people have trypophobia, the fear of like little porous holes, like, like, um, and there's a lot of like fleshy holes imagery there's a lot of fleshy holes that's what you want to say yeah there there's uh there's like part of her disease is like getting like real unnatural deep small holes in her body and apparently that's like a particular phobia for people to see imagery of beehive do you think this was designed to scare people who have that condition probably i mean i is that fucked up shouldn't you not do that (laughs) yeah probably it was in the trailer to some extent so I guess you are forewarned. It's, a, it's if you punishing people who don't watch the trailer, like yeah, me. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you idiot! You got to find out what warnings we're trying to give you. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. Ha- I mean, it was gross looking when they did that, but it, it didn't like trigger me in any particular way. Yeah. But I thought it was a good. It was effectively scary movie. It's on Netflix. Anybody can watch it if you want. I kind of just spoiled the whole thing, so you know. What's this called again? Incantation. Okay, incantation. From Taiwan. Was not going to watch, hadn't heard of, no change, neither positive nor negative for me. Thank you. For it the remains update. just out. But I, like, if somebody asked me, I'd be like, I heard that's okay. Yeah, check it out. I wouldn't tell yeah. them not to watch it. Whereas, if they like scary stuff. Yeah. Totally passable time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but not like huge endorsement. Yeah. But it, again, probably on the more extreme of the actual scariness of the things I watch. So if you're looking for stuff that is most more likely to scare you, 
I would put it higher on the list for that individual. Next two I'm going to do together. Uh, they they are a package deal. What do you know about X and Pearl? I know that uh, my girlfriend went to see Pearl and loved it. Ooh. I she assume... went alone. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, no, she went with her friend who wasn't me. I guess I shouldn't say she went alone. Her and her friend. Her friend did not like it as much as her. But I believe I could have this wrong. I believe her friend had seen X, whereas Gina had only read the Wikipedia for X. And so, uh, but she saw Pearl and thought it was fantastic. Well, that is an interesting way to go about it. They are, they are a direct, X came out first and Pearl is a prequel to X. Yes. And they're kind of a package deal. And there's going to be a third one in this trilogy called Maxine with multiple X's in the X and Maxine. Yeah. I, I'm glad to hear that she super liked it. They, so you don't, you know, X takes place in the seventies. It is starring Mia Goth. Uh, can I say what I think X is? Yeah. I don't have a great handle on it, but from what Gina said and me seeing maybe people talking about it on Twitter, I think X is about the filming of a pornography movie where everybody starts dying. Is that true? That is extremely accurate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's I think that's why Gina didn't go see it. I think she was like, fuck that. Porno, uh, whatever. I'm not going to go see that. But then the other one was less so. So, okay. So I, just, I wanted to confirm. I thought it would be funny if I was way off. But apparently I'm, I'm, I'm right off. Yeah, no. So, yeah, it's like um, Mia Goth wants to be a star. And she is boyfriend to this budget movie director. And they're going to make a porn in Texas on this guy's farm they like in the 70s version of airbnb this guy's farm so they are going to film a movie there without his knowledge it's a super old guy and he makes it clear he would not approve of what they plan on doing there there's other then there's you know uh, other stars for the movie it's a very pulpy movie in both violence and sex things go wrong it turns out the old man bad dude but even worse his very sick and elderly wife, uh, she just starts murdering everyone. She really goes to town. And the weird thing is, the old lady is also played by Mia Goth. She got, she has a double role. Both Maxine and Pearl is the name of that very old woman. And the movie Pearl is about the same character much younger uh, in her childhood and how she was a psychopath when she was young as well. I have an important question. This is going to make a huge difference in regards to whether I see this. You broke up just a little bit. Did you say very sick and elderly wife or very thick and elderly wife? (laughs) I will. How, which one do you want more, Johnny? I think, you know, (laughs) no, I said sick. sick. Okay. I'm not going to say this, but go ahead. Um, It was just camp. It was like, it was very pulpy, very campy. It knew what it was doing, and it was just a fun. It, it was just fun and silly. I think um, it was mm-hmm. pretty violent, but nothing insane. Uh, it was they they. I think you know they set it up. They gave you bad vibes from the start. Like this is a creepy guy. This is a creepy farm. I don't think this is going to go well for them. But they they do kind of go against your expectations by having really the woman be the true source of evil there, who you didn't really know much about um, for the first part of the movie, but. 
yeah, it just uh, it it was a surprising turn, and it was fun and silly, and and it was enjoyable. And and Pearl, I thought was definitely worse than X. So what do you know about Pearl specifically, other than what I just told you? Nothing. Okay. Uh, Gina, I was like, she was like, it's really scary. You're not going to want to hear about it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and instead, that was, her, like, that was her talk. She was like, it was really good though. I had a great time. Yeah, it's like it was really scary. You don't want to talk about it. How about you talk about it while being recorded? Um, <laughs> so this is even further back in in time because now this is the super old lady as a young girl. She also wants to be a star. That's why she latched on to Maxine in X because Maxine wanted to be a star and get out of this podunk they were town it up the whole time. Exactly. They were. And, uh, so she related to that. Pearl wanted to be a star. She was stuck with her very sick father and very mean and a borderline abusive mother. And they were very strict and didn't want her doing anything. And she wanted to be a dancer and a singer and a star. And so she's going to do whatever it takes to, to get out of this stupid town and uh it doesn't go well she doesn't get a chance and then she kind of snaps and starts murdering people and it turns out she had she was like torturing animals as a child apparently and things like that there were signs of this darkness in her that we don't really see before the movie starts but but apparently it's not that surprising to the mother that she was messed up um but yeah so she just goes crazy and starts killing everyone and that's kind of most of the movie i will say i'll tie this into video games for the first time of the evening directly uh, so she eventually spoilers again, murders her family and stays home with them. She is now at least unburdened of taking care of her father and whatnot, but she, they stay in the family. Her, her husband comes home from the war. He was gone the whole time and she was writing letters about how she had to get out of there. She's losing her mind. She can't take it. Blah, blah, blah. I want to be a star. Sure. Uh, he comes home to this horror scene of these long dead parents and there's this like putrefied food on the table. Like she was like serving them oh, dinner like or something. This. And it was extremely reminiscent of resident evil seven. Uh, <laughs> the, the very beginning of that movie is like a dinner table and like disgusting, uh, rotten food and this family. And it was a lot like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is, this is confirming my general thought that I don't need to watch movies like this. There, the two highlights of this movie, I, 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 so it is also, it's even more, um, over the top in some ways. Like there's like a whole fantasy scene of her dancing and it's like bright and colorful and crazy. And like the opening credits are like extremely over the top, uh, and self-aware of like how ridiculous they're being ever. It's deliberately cheesy and stuff. So I, I didn't like it as much as X, as I said, but it did. There are a couple of things that won me over specifically, the sister-in-law of okay. the soldier comes over to talk to her. And that is when Pearl particularly like reveals how messed up she is. And she gives like a eight and a half minute uninterrupted monologue or something <laughs> like that. And she goes all out and she just, and the sister's just sitting there horrified as it gets darker and darker and darker and darker. And she's just like talking about how terrible of a person she is in extreme detail by the end. And, and I think she did a great job with that. Monologue. That sounds like, like generally effective filmmaking in like yeah. every way, every, everything is coming together. That sounds great. It was really good. And that was exactly when it was like, when I went from like kind of disliking it to like, okay, it won me over. <laughs> like this is pretty, 
this is well done for the way that it's doing, but it's not nearly as much fun as X was. X was like, as I said, like just pulpy, like silliness, but, but obviously violent and stuff, but it, but it was like self-aware and, and fun to watch. And this was much darker and less fun. But, but when they did the monologue, I was like, okay, this is good. And then the very last scene is kind of famous too. Um, it's on Twitter and stuff, but the closing credits, Mia Goth, is staring directly at the camera with a deranged smile and essentially doesn't blink for like five minutes. Oh, like nice. she's just like stare and you could just see the stress in her face and like her eyes watering up and it's like uncut, just like frozen, painful, just not just your eyes, but her cheeks must hurt. Like she is just frozen in this creepy smile, unblinking uncut for such a long time. And uh, it goes on. It keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And you're like, how long can she possibly hold out? And then it's like, oh, that's the end of the movie. They held it for an extremely long time. She did a good job. That's extremely cool. I like the sound of that a lot. You should probably just watch the end credit. You can Google Pearl end credits and you can see her do it. Um, But yeah, by that time, she was a completely broken, insane person. And she looks like it. Yeah, she's she's portraying it well. Pearl, what do you think of it now? Uh wasn't going to watch, but assumed it was at least assumed. I, I mean, based on Gina's, what she said, thought it sounded good. If anything, only think it sounds maybe even a little better, uh, but definitely not going to watch it. Yeah. All right. Let's finish it off. We've got a few more and we've got some real highlights ahead of us, my friend. Oh boy. It sounds gonna... like the good stuff. Now, now we're getting into the good stuff. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go a little faster. Um, the next one is the second of most obscure. As I said, there's no chance you've heard of it, but let's ask anyway, what do you know about the movie Saloom? S-A-L-O-U-M. Country of origin, Senegal. This, let me think about all the Senegalese movies I know. I don't know this one. Yes. Uh, this one is pretty obscure, but very, it was super fun. This one, I would say no reservations. I think you should watch it. It would be kind of me personally. This is not a recommendation to the listener, but me. Okay. Can I, can we do the, do the title one more time? Because I'm, I didn't catch it totally. Saloom. S A L O U M. Okay. Let's talk about sell me on Saloom. Saloom is these three dudes who are mercenaries, I think. They're from Senegal. They are they're they they break the law. They're they're they break the law constantly. They have a reputation of being like these unbeatable guys. They start off the movie and they're going through this town that's been uh essentially slaughtered and it it implies possibly that they are the ones who did it. Um, and they're bad guys, but they're so charming. They're fun. They have great, um, chemistry with each other. They all have very distinct personalities and roles within this group. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like an A team. Like they're, they're like, one guy does this thing. One guy does that thing. One guy does this thing. There's like a, there's like a military guy. There's like a, like a dark magic kind of guy. And then there's like a strategist guy, essentially. I don't know. They all have their own roles. It's like a, like a role-playing game party. But they're all funny and fun, and it's very vivid and cool looking. It kind of feels like, um, almost like 
I don't know. Like people compared it to like almost like Quentin Tarantino, but it's not like problematic like Quentin Tarantino. I was thinking about Three Kings. Yeah, and it has a Three Kings vibe. Yeah, I would say. And so these dudes are like, they're setting them up to be bad guys, but they're also extremely successfully setting them up to be very likable. They're cool. You want to you want to hang out with them, and then they go to this region called Saloom, which is apparently is like this like I don't know like river in Africa, and there's like isolated like islands and stuff. I don't know the geography of it very well, but anyway, it's supposed to be kind of separate from everything else. They are trying to they tried to steal a whole bunch of gold as their heist. I pretty good call on Three Kings by me. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, and then, in Saloom, Uh-oh. they think that somebody's onto them. There's this cop there, and they're like, they're kind of famous, but nobody, they're like kind of like ghosts, you know? Like, people have heard stories about them, but they don't know what they really look like or who they are. But then there's this one woman there who was from the other town, but she's deaf and only speaks in sign language. And then there's this cop there staying at this, like, eight-person tiny hotel sort of thing like a, it's like a it's like there's like little huts in this area and this guy is running it and he, he hosts visitors like okay. tourists and stuff anyway in this tiny little area there happens to be a girl who's an eyewitness to them being in this crime scene and a cop and so they're like they're gonna she's gonna tell them but he doesn't speak sign language how do we get out of this and it's like very tense like heisty and then bam Hard right turn, supernatural insanity goes on. And it's exact. It it reminded me a lot of From Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh, yeah. It was like, you liked these guys. You thought they were cool. It had a heist vibe. It was vibrant and vivid. They're drinking tequila off each other's feet. Yeah, exactly. There's snake dancing. And then all of a sudden it gets insane. And there's like this supernatural bad thing happening. And it goes off from there. And And it was just a fun time. Well, that sounds amazing. I always, much more in theory than in practice, because it exists so infrequently. But I'm always excited by the idea of the, like people people always talk online about how there should be like secret Batman movies or whatever, where you don't know it's a Batman movie until halfway through. Like, wait a minute, this guy's going to be Batman. Yeah, and it sounds like this is kind of that sort of thing, and that's such a great way to do a movie. Yeah, it it was really good, and I will say some of my favorite ones that are on this list took a hard either took a hard turn partway through the movie plot wise, or was actually secretly a completely different genre than I expected it to be, mm-hmm. and in a way that I liked. And so this was like that. I will say a knock against the loom. I thought the ending was weak, and okay, in fact, heavy handed in the way that they handled. Like I feel like it was like well done overall like lots and lots and lots of things were very well done but then like the ending was just like a a bit of a thud for me um sure but overall very enjoyable and just so different from what you normally see and so i had a good time it sounds great i'm gonna watch this movie where'd you watch this movie i streamed it and i don't remember what service it is don't worry about it i will figure that out that's not a good use of podcast time but this is this sounds very fun i'm gonna watch it Yay! I am going to go to another fun one. How's that? Uh, What do you know about the movie Smile? I know so much about this movie. This movie 
marketing because they went to baseball games and did it. And so I saw all that shit when there was like crazy lady behind the home plate who was paid $11 or something to smile like an insane person. It was very effective on me, a person watching baseball games in late September and early October. Uh, so I thought that was very cool and probably indicative of a movie too scary for me to watch. I would say this is on the higher end of the scariness, not as okay. scary as Incantation. Um, it was definitely going for big scares very often. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah. So the whole thing with Smile, you've seen commercials for it, perhaps. Uh, the, it, the again, there's some sort of like well, we've there's a malevolent force that is kind of infecting people in this, and essentially it makes them smile extremely creepily in a specific way. I've seen it called the Kubrick smile because he did it a lot where people tilted their head forward and smiled really creepily and stared straight at the camera. And uh, that's how they do it. And essentially it's passing on from person to person. The way it passes is it gets in their head. They start seeing things that aren't there that are creepy. It tells them to do things. Essentially it gets stronger and stronger to the point that eventually, and they see people smiling in a creepy way. It, it gets to the point eventually where they themselves make a super creepy smile face and extremely violently kill themselves in front of someone and thereby passing the trauma of and malevolent force to the other person. And then that person slowly goes more insane and sees this creepy smiling face everywhere and eventually goes insane and has to uh, kill themselves extremely violently for another person to pass along to that person. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I like that it basically, t- the, so the viral marketing scheme is implying that in the reality of the film, that like the people we are seeing at the baseball game are about to off themselves and like infect everyone, or, someone around them or. Or we were already infected and we are seeing. False oh, oh ooh, even better. Yeah, of, because actually in the in the in the fiction of the movie, it is important that you only do it in front of one person. You cannot have like an audience, a greater okay. audience for your suicide. So it you like at home are now actually one of the main people in the movie because you're just sitting down. I'll just watch a baseball game. I don't have the smile disease. Fuck. I got the smile disease. Yeah. Cause I see that lady behind home plate at the Oakland athletics game where she paid $17 to get the best ticket in the, in the entire stadium in late September. Amazing. I so I think that makes the movie sound good, and it makes the advertising even better than I already thought it was, and I I had high esteem for it already. So as I said, pretty scary on this on the higher end of the spectrum of the scariness of things I saw. Um, like there were jump scares, there was creepiness, there's violence, obviously. Um, so there's a lot of creepy and scary stuff. It was though, so it, but it was. It was exactly what you're expecting. It was scary. It was fun. And it was very stupid. It I was, thought you were going to say it was scary. It was fun. It had seasons in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is not anything to think deeply about. Um, it, you turn your brain off and go along for the ride. I think it was very successful at what it was aiming to do. Unless unless it was actually trying to say something about trauma. <laughs> Which is, in which case, uh, bad job by you, stupid yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real dumb. It was super dumb. Yeah, don't you know you're a stupid movie? Just be a stupid movie. It's okay. And I think it. I think it knew. Yeah, uh, being a stupid main, movie is pretty good. The main lady, 
this is one of my issues. I talked with Abby about um, Resurrection. Oh, you which, talked with her in the past, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. Starring Rebecca Hall. And Rebecca Hall is an actress in a lot of different similarly vibed horror movies. Big fan I was going to say, Rebecca I don't Hall. know her, so that makes sense. That she's just in these movies I don't watch. Exactly. She's in a lot of them. And she's good at it. And she did a great job in Resurrection. Um, she In Resurrection, she was a psychologist. Uh, and or, or she was like a... She had medical... Anyway... In Smile, the main woman is a psychologist, and she's she treats like deranged people at this hospital, and it just it, she, like the movie was so dumb. I I was a little detached from this character being like a real smart psychologist. She yeah. she seemed kind of dumb because her character was kind of dumb. That, that seems she, a little beyond the writing of this movie to make it really obvious that this person is actually a brain genius. Yeah, and and then in typical horror movie fashion in order to advance the plot, she had to make some really stupid decisions. Yeah. And, uh, why? And I was just like, and again, if you're a brain genius, you probably wouldn't have done that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you are you... an actress lady who's like, Oh, the script says do that. So I'll do it. Yeah. I have no, I'm maybe that lady is great and smart, but her character. Yeah. Seemed too that, stupid. She, she did those dumb things really yeah. well because she's yeah, yeah. good at acting. Yeah. 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 Um, um have you seen, or heard of It Follows? Because this movie is a lot like It Follows. I have read these spoilers for It Follows. Yeah. Yes. So that is also like a direct transmission of this curse sort of thing. And this is like sure. that. Um, but, th- I mean, this is the sort of stuff. That story was very fun. This is why I read the spoilers for scary movies. Yeah. Um, I, immediately, I, I just am thinking of like something like this. It Follows was a very good one. Recent ones I've been most excited to read would be like Malignant and <laughs> uh, is it Tatane is the car one? Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, like, like I'm not watching these movies, but reading about them, seeing, learning what actually happens in them. Very fun. And this sounds like it's right up there. It's like a, a great concept that I don't need to see executed. So yeah, it follows, and I actually wrote in my notes that there's a touch of Malignant in this because of how insane it gets. Malignant mm-hmm. famously goes bananas at the end of it. Uh, I think that movie should be illegal, but also I'm glad I got to read the Wikipedia. It is so weird and crazy and goes, and also that one thought it was cl- clever and had a clever <laughs> twist, and that was very stupid. See, that's um, the kind of thing that doesn't actually come through in my, in because like all of these movies get like, 55% on Rotten Tomatoes and like whatever you're all just everybody who likes these movies likes them and so I can never really tell like which one's actually nailing this and which one is just it's funny that the cancer brain came out and killed everyone yeah so I I think so essentially if you cross it follows with malignant I think you get smile like it goes pretty crazy it is like I don't want to undersell if, you know, you said it sounds fun. Sounds you know, like it was, it was your vibe. Not, you're probably not going to watch it. Yeah. Still. I'm not, I'm never, I, I, I don't mean to suggest that I misinterpreted your words yeah. and might accidentally watch this because yeah. I can't handle this. Yeah. I don't want to downplay how messed up it gets towards the end. There's like, there's like a physical manifestation of this accursed blob and it gets oh, it's a big scary monster and it's, yeah. it's very freaky. And so it gets pretty, like it's pretty intense. So, I don't want to downplay that to people that think this sounds like a fun romp. It is a fun, stupid, scary movie, but it has like some pretty graphic stuff in it. Yeah. That's, that's my uh, take on smile. 
I two movies ago we talked about Saloon, which I said was the second most obscure movie I was going to discuss. Now is the number one most obscure movie I want to discuss. What do you know about Getlop? Nothing. G A T L O P P. Getlop. Uh, I know it's a movie. <laughs> so this one I had not even heard about, and it was at one point ninety nine cents to rent on Apple Movie, and I did. Because it looked kind of fun, and it was a horror adjacent movie. It is a weird comedy horror movie about people who get trapped inside of a board game. Where is this movie from? America. America makes Getlop. Why is it called Getlop? Is that the name of the game? Getlop is the name of the game. Is this like a game. Jumanji knockoff? It is, a, it is a horror, a more horrific Jumanji starring uh, 20-something adult-ish people instead of children. And instead of there being fun jungle animals uh rampaging about it's like asking them to do things and like it it punishes them for lying like like a guy like answers a question untruthfully and then he gets hit in the leg with an arrow from the game all of a sudden so like that so it's more it's less yeah cartoonish and animal focused but it is a very similar premise in that they are they have to play they have to finish the game by sunrise or that is trapped in that's that's jumanji yeah i saw it uh so it's like friends it's kind of like a it 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 was fun it was stylish there's a lot of like stylish cuts and transitions and like fun music but it obviously had a very low budget it did not have any really impressive effects or anything but it was it was genuinely funny in parts one of the guys from this is in Issa Rae's insecure he's probably the most famous person in this um no big names no big budget just kind of fun kind of silly very much like Jumanji, but a little bit scarier. That's about it. That's Gallop. I'm going to extremely briefly ta- discuss the one that was the disappointment in the group, and then we'll finish strong with my favorites of the entire set. Sounds good. The one that I... What do you know about The Empty Man? I haven't heard of it. It is a few years old now, maybe maybe close to 10 years. I think it's like 2012 or something. It could be 20, it could be as as young as five years old. I think it's closer to ten years old. I just heard whispers that this is like an underappreciated, underviewed, really good one. Okay, and didn't know much about it at all except for there's a real creepy image of like a kind of like a monstrous alien, many armed skeleton on the cover or on the like the splash page if you like look at a listing for it. And so it's like that looks legitimately creepy. The movie started off amazingly strongly, and then it went off a cliff, I think. Um, The first, like, 15, 20 minutes is a group of friends remote mountain climbing. Again, these things only happen in isolated circumstances. (laughs) A bunch of uh, 20-somethings who all have their own crazy personalities are extremely remote hiking. Uh, And then this guy falls in a crack in the mountain and ends up in this like open cave kind of. So there's like a hidden part. 127 hours. I yeah, actually yeah. did see this. One. He wasn't, he wasn't trapped for good, but, uh, so this, though things go wrong. Friends are freaking out. So then this other friend goes down carefully inside to save his friend. turns out this is really big opening. But then when he finds his friend, he's sitting down looking like he's almost like in a trance or meditating, like cross-legged on the ground of the cave 
staring at this giant monstrous skeleton with many arms and a demonic visage. No, and, and I don't chant, like this and, at all. And he says, and then he tries to say, hey, come on. I don't remember his name. Frank, get up. Frank, come on. We got to go. Come on. Are you hurt? What's going on? We gotta, what's, what are you doing, man? And he won't move. He's like kind of looking like out of it. And then he gets closer to him. He says, don't touch me. He's like, and he's like, Frank, come on. Quit messing around. We got to get you out of here. We got we to make sure you're okay. If you touch me, you'll die. And uh, and so he's like, quit messing around. We have to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And so then he picks up his friend, carries him out of there. And then the friend is like catatonic and unresponsive. And uh, then extremely bad things start happening. At some point, one of the women in the group uh, kind of goes insane and stabs them and pushes them off a cliff and they die. And that's the first like 20 minutes. I'm like, this is cool. This is freaky. What's going on? Getting into the stuff that people are there for. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And then it cuts ahead to the present day or whatever, 2018. So maybe that's. Maybe it was released in 2018, I guess, because I wrote down my notes that it was in 2018 when they and uh, there's this insane man and uh, it goes into it goes into a thousand different directions from there. It is not focused at all. It's meandering and can't decide what type of movie wants to be. There's this guy who has owns like a security shop and um, he there are these kids at a high school and there's this cult called Pontifex. That looks it's very Scientology like and it turns out that they worship the empty man and the empty man is this like this like creepy chaotic presence and you summon him by um, blowing in an empty bottle on a bridge and then saying empty man three times or it's like kind of like candy man or something. It tries to be like incantation at the beginning and then it's candy man because of this thing and then it goes insane with like these cultists trying to murder him. So it's kind of like midsummer. And it also is like this guy trying to unravel a mystery. So it's kind of like a police procedural. And so then it's kind of like maybe like Zodiac. And then there's like, uh, the cult madness. So then it's maybe it's like HP Lovecraft. And then there's a twist ending. So maybe it's like M night Shyamalan. It's like trying to be everything at once. And Mm -hmm. so it sucked. And, and it was like so cool (laughs) for the first 20 minutes. And then it, tried to do every single possible thing and was bad. And there's a twist ending. The twist ending was the guy who was the main character for everything that happened in 2018 was in fact the empty man. They, he was their Tulpa T U L P A. He, he was like a, he, he was, he was created by their pure energy. He was a, he was wow. a blank slate man who did not exist until they performed these, things he had false memories implanted in his head he thought he was trying to solve this mystery and he had be- he was a real human but he was created by them to be the vessel for the empty man uh bad guy thing and um that was that was the movie and so i i wish it was more like the first 20 minutes and didn't try to be every single possible there was a there was a guy who was like helping him unravel the pontifex cult thing and he was like too cool for it. He was like outside an outsider for them, but he he knew a lot about Pontifex. And it turns out he was actually on the inside and helping Pontifex. <laughs> uh, but he was like trying to find this girl who went missing, and he's like, "She's elsewhere, man." And it's like, "Oh, you're, that's really funny." And there's like, "Oh no, here's a map. There's a place called Camp Elsewhere." It's so stupid, so stupid. Yeah. Uh, so I got pretty mad at that movie after it started off well. <laughs> so that's 
How much do you want to see that now after I told you everything about it? Uh, it, it sounds like watching the fir- first, like if that were on a streaming service and I could watch the first 20 minutes and then just be like, this is a short film. I'm going to have fun, but that'll be it for me. That sounds okay. It very recently was on HBO Max and streamable. There you go. Here are my top three movies to discuss that I liked quite a lot. They are very excited. What do you know about these three? Fresh. Nothing. Barbarian. A tiny bit, but very little. Crimes of the Future. A lot. (laughs) Why do you know a lot about Crimes of the Future? Because you told me about it because you said it was great and I might watch it, but I also might be too scared of being too grossed out. Yeah, man. I liked all three of these a lot. I liked Crimes of the Future a super lot. It is like one of my favorite movies of definitely of the year and of the past few years. I love it a lot. I will quickly go through Fresh and Barbarian and then finish strong with Crimes of the Future. Fresh, you don't know anything about it. This Fresh goes on my recommend for Johnny list. I don't think <laughs> it's too scary for you and it's pretty fun. Fresh is... Fresh and Barbarian have some things in common plot-wise. Fresh is about, it's a modern day thing. It's a woman trying to date people online, going through the apps. We've all been there. Can't find anyone cool. Gets like, they they extremely, they show like her getting gross DMs, her getting a dick pic, just lots of things happening. And then she has a meet cute with this guy who seems kind of awkward and funny, but kind of self-referential about how awkward he is. And he pulls it off and she kind of likes him and they go on a date turns out this guy is a surgeon and she's interested in him they start going on dates they get real being more serious blah 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 they're gonna go away together shortly after they start um dating she has a best friend who she tells this stuff to she obviously has some red flags where are you gonna instantly run away with this guy um turns out red flags accurate things go downhill johnny she goes he claims that they can't go to the place they were going to go anymore because something goes wrong. So instead, they go to his house. He has this... How convenient. He has this house. Hey, Johnny. Very isolated, this house. Lots of isolation in these movies. You know what? That's the only red flag you leave. You, you need. You live out in the woods by yourself. We're not dating. The end. Goodbye. He has the house of a rich man. It looks like a cool, modern architecture, art everywhere, neat-looking house, fancy wine blah 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 she drinks a glass of wine passes out she was drugged wakes up in a dungeon essentially she's chained to the ground and he immediately nonchalantly explains what's going on he says you're chained up i drugged you oh by the way extremely late title card in this movie they say fresh 25 minutes into the movie, and I thought that was awesome. I do like the late title yeah, card. The late worked. title card is almost always... A, it, it's it's hard to think of a late title card that you find like egregious or unearned. Yeah, it, it, was, it basically always it works. It worked amazingly. He says, I've got you chained. I'm going to sell your meat. There's people online that really get into this and pay top dollar. I'm going to sell your hair, stuff like that. I'm not going to kill you. Right away, I'm a really good cook. Just get comfortable. Just accept your situation. 
you're going to be chained up in here. I'm going to feed you good food. I'm going to sell parts of your body for profit and eventually you'll die. And that's your fate. And he just tells her this like he's, you know, reading the morning newspaper. And that is the setup of the movie, you know, after half an hour. And uh, it's pretty fun. It, it, go, it goes some places. She obviously does not like that this is her new situation and does not want to stay there. Um, there are other girls that she can yell at through walls. She can hear them. There's one who knows how long they've been there, but they're uh, not doing well. And uh, eventually she gains a little power. She gets a little control of the situation. There's a little bit of revenge involved. Uh, it's just a, it's a creepy, there's some violence, there's some slicing and dicing, but it's funny. It's well done. The, pro- the premise was good. It was well made. The guy who um, is the psychopath who is cutting her up is the guy who plays the Winter Soldier in the Marvel movies. Uh, Sebastian Stan, I believe his name is. So he goes, he pulls, he tries to be like, a. obviously he has to be, demented to do this for his job um and there's specifically a lot of 80s music and him like and like ironic upbeat you know retro music and so it very much feels like it's deliberately cribbing off of american psycho um like he's supposed to be this like hip awkward guy but secretly a psychopath but he does not have the acting chops that christian bale does so i don't think he pulls off that complicated of a character as well. He's not charming or uh, as funny. He's just too flat, I think. So I think he's a weakness, but but I think it's overall a very fun movie and uh, it goes on a fun path and it's well done. What do you think? This sounds like my least favorite movie of all time <laughs> and I will never watch wow. it. Wow! This is 1000% I am out. Uh when yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch this movie. I think, and Jen and I discussed this, the successful transition to revenge was kind of like what was aimed for in Promising Young Woman. And this is a better movie than Promising Young Woman. Wow. Yeah. I think that Promising Young Woman failed in some ways in its like empowering message kind of and I hated Promising yeah, Young Woman. Yeah, I, I did not like Promising Young Woman. But it got nominated for Best Picture, right? Or did it just... Act that as- is not... I don't care. That, that, that Yeah. Um, but uh, this is just not my genre of movies. Okay. I'm not down for... I mean, the idea that Promising Young Woman set stuff up so it could dock it down at the end, boy, do I think it failed at even that. It sounds like this might have done a much better job of that, but still, this is just not a road I want to go down. Okay. It's not for me. All right. But it sounds like it it was uh, much more well executed than certain other versions of this. Yeah, I think it was was, was a good job. There there were obviously some scary, tense things. Obviously, that whole secret underground human meat selling thing pretty weird yep. and uh disturbing but i thought it was a really uh interesting fun time sorry that you think less of me now <laughs> barbarian what do you know about barbarian okay so this is the new conan the barbarian movie <laughs> it is not what i know shocking it just came out 
literally yesterday as of recording. It came out on Tuesday, October 25th on HBO Max. Um, it was in theaters and it was like a, a cult hit on, in theaters. And now it is streaming and people really like it. And I really liked it. It is probably the second favorite thing that I watched of all of these. Nice. Um, it also involves kind of like imprisoning humans in a way. So there's that. This one. Okay. So the premise, there's this woman checking into an Airbnb in the middle of the night. It's rainy. She goes in, puts in the code, the key's missing. She's like, God damn it. It's the middle of the night. I'm stuck here in the rain. This sucks. Then the light comes on in the house and she pounds on the door and there's this dude there already. And he's like, what are you talking about? I rented this place. I rented it from Homely. And she's like, I rented it from Airbnb. And she naturally, being a modern young woman, does not trust this man and thinks this is creepy and she doesn't want to. But anyway, eventually they start chatting. He seems like a reasonable guy. She's just going to go inside to make some phone calls to figure out alternative accommodations. Uh, is unsuccessful in doing that and ends up staying there. And she gets the bedroom. He sleeps on the couch. Uh, but you get uneasy vibes. You don't know if he's a good guy. You don't know if he's, he comes across as almost artificially nice. Um, he's, they have a lot in common in their interests. They get, they have a great evening together. Essentially she's in town. It's in Detroit. She's in town for a job interview. Um, but they give a lot of uneasy vibes and you don't know where, what direction it's going. And then it takes a hard turn and, uh, it turns out there's a secret compartment in the basement there's a, there's a room that looks like it was used to imprison people in the basement. There's a video camera and a gross bed and a blood stain on the wall. And then you keep looking around and then there's a series of tunnels underground connected to the basement. And there's a monster down there. And then it cuts 25 minutes into the movie. That's what happened. You're like, okay, that was really intense and kind of interesting and the character like really well done. It was entertaining. They were funny. There was thrilling, blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts completely unrelated as far as you can tell to Justin Long driving a convertible, presumably on the Pacific coast highway in California, talking about his next, uh, film deal. Uh, he's on a TV show, but then no, he's, it's getting canceled because there's an accusation uh, that he raped one of his co-stars and he's his entire career is going down the drain before his eyes uh, and he's losing it. So he has to raise a bunch of funds to um, amount his legal defense that he claims for these false accusations. So then he goes back home to Detroit and he's going to review one of his uh, vacation properties. And this, he owns this Airbnb, uh, and he goes, and this is apparently uh, about two weeks later, and there, there, all these people's stuff is in the house, but they are not there. And uh, he has to investigate, and he finds the secret compartment in the basement, and it keeps going from there. And it's uh, it, it was very interesting. It was very well done, very stressful, intense. The acting was really good. There's a lot of funny parts too, uh, and it and it just keeps going there. But the cut was amazing. Oh, sorry. I just checked my notes. It was 43 minutes into the movie that they did that cut. Oh, wow. Justin Long. And it was completely unrelated. And then after all that stuff, there was another hard cut to a completely different setting an hour six into the movie with a completely different set of characters 
Uh, and then, of course, it all resolves it in the end. But it was uh, really good, really well done. I liked it a lot. What do you think? I knew there was a Justin Long horror movie that people were, to some extent, excited about. I did not necessarily know it was this. I am generally supportive of a Justin... I'm not going to say Justin Longessance or anything <laughs> like that, but if he wants to be around again, I'd prefer it not happen. But if, hey, you know what? If it wants to happen in horror movies, I'm not going to watch anyway. Maybe that could be a good outcome for everyone. I won't actually see him in anything, but he can go do some stuff. I'm not going to watch this movie. It sounds too scary it for scary. me. It's scary. Um. But it sounds like this is probably a pretty fun one. Yeah, I and really maybe, it maybe, and honestly, this is one. Maybe this is the highest praise I can give any movie. I might tell Gina she should definitely watch this. I think she should also watch Fresh. Yeah, no, I, I should not, and then she can tell me about it too. Yeah, that I, I'm, I'm fine with hearing about this again. This sounds fun. Yeah, it was very solid. Liked it a lot. I stayed up late last night to watch it, Jen. It was worth it. I'm Johnny. Johnny is the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Crimes of the Future. I hear this one's good. It is great. And it is not a horror movie, in my opinion. What What is your current thought on this after I told you I gave you a pretty hard sell, but I also tried to fully disclose things that might put you off from the movie? What is your, What are your current stance? You gave me a hard sell, but you're right that you you gave me a fair sell. You gave me an accurate sell. You told me there was a guy who had ears all over his body and his mouth sewn shut. You told me other scary things, but none of them as evocative as man with ears all over him. It was and a mouth striking sewn image. Shut. Yeah, and his eyes were also sewn shut for the record. And eyes sewn shut. See, I didn't even remember that part because I couldn't get past yeah. uh, the things I knew. And I ultimately, ultimately concluded this was not going to be the film for me, but is probably very good. And uh, I talked to Gina about it and she was like, yeah, we're not going to watch that. That sounds fucked up. So she's probably not going to watch it either. But oh, it sounds like this is a a film that we should all be glad exists so that people like Pat can stay up late and watch it. It's so good. I respect your decision. I I want more. I feel like I'm surprised at how little I've heard people singing this movie's praises because of how much I liked it. And also, again, how much it's not a horror movie. I went into it expecting it to be like Titan, which was, mm-hmm. as expected, a gross, weird, techno, body horror horror movie. And, th- and that's what it was about. This one is by Cronenberg. There's a lot of what people call body horror because there's a lot of gross stuff done to the human body. But it is not in service of scaring you or... Um, being a horror movie overall the plot itself is as i told you much more like blade runner 2049 which i loved it is about high praise it is about a a dystopian cyber future and this guy played by viggo mortensen 
kind of trying to unravel this mystery and and the winding paths he takes and the people he talks to but there but instead of purely being about robots and the borders between human and machine and blah 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 uh this is about the, the humans in this movie it's like i don't know if it's because of like the destruction of the environment or something people are kind of mutating and evolving rapidly they essentially don't feel pain anymore uh, and 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 they to a lesser extent seemingly don't really feel pleasure, uh, and so they're kind of recreationally engaging in surgery, and so there's a lot of gross surgery happening, and it's quasi a sexual thing for them. And Viggo Mortensen is like one of the most famous performance artists of of this uh, public surgery because he, uh, m- his body makes novel organs in it. Uh, that that are unique to him, and he keeps removing them. His partner in crime is played by Leia Sadu. Uh I don't know if that's I don't I don't think I've ever said her name out loud. I think that's how you pronounce it. She's extremely French. She performs the surgery. Maybe they have a romantic relationship. Probably do. Then they definitely do later. Uh, but so he is like a, a famous artist for for being on the cutting edge of this public performance art, and. Uh, so he's kind of in a position to know a lot of powerful people and a lot and a lot of people in this scene. Kristen Stewart is in this movie and she's amazing. She plays a person that's in this uh, brand new upstart underground um, government agency that's responsible for like tracking the hyper evolution of humans. And so they like have a book on this guy's novel organs. They're like super fans of him, but they're supposed to be like bureaucratic nerds. And so she plays this little geeky freak who's like obsessed with him, but she's like tried to play things by the book. Uh, and it's great. <laughs> um, and, and it, yeah, I just really liked it a lot. So, so I want as many people to see this as possible, as long as they go in with their eyes open about the content of the movie, because it certainly is off putting and might be so off putting that people would hate it or not be able to finish it. Um, but if you do tolerate the, the gross stuff that's in there, I think it was super well done and amazing. And I loved it. I think this is the best kind of plug. You were going into this, telling people to watch this movie, but you're not trying to deceive anyone. You want people to know what you want people to go into this with open eyes, not be tricked. Don't, but have if, if you are in any way open to this movie, if you're open to, Kristen Stewart being a little freak, then you should go see this and you'll like it. But if you're not, don't do it. If you're like me, don't watch it. But I bet there's people listening who are going to watch this and really enjoy it based on your recommendation here. I hope so. I hope more people watch it and love it like I did. Is this this movie done well at all? Has anybody seen this or is this just you? Obviously, we've got some famous people involved in on both sides but yeah uh, i don't have a feel for like commercially how it did it has pretty um mixed to slightly above mixed reviews uh critically i was surprised i kind of expect them to be a little higher but i am not too surprised uh you know that there there are its detractors um but yeah it is definitely my favorite of all of the ones that i watched for, as part of this but again that's good. it's it's, it's, it's nice. maybe even miscategorized because I don't think it's a horror movie. Would you say 
more thrills or more chills? Hmm. I was thrilled watching it. Okay. Yeah. High praise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a bonus on the movie Nope. Nope. You're going to tell me about Nope. Yeah. What do you know about Nope? I bet you know at least something about Nope. I know quite a bit about Nope. But here's nope. the thing I know about Nope. I was told this segment is possibly not going to be used. Yes, that's true. So that, that affects how much I'm going to try during this segment. <laughs> All right. What do you what do you know? You say you know a lot? Uh, you know, you know the Jordan thing? Peele. Uh-huh. Cool actors I know but can't remember names of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out in the west or the desert. Yeah, it's in it's in like a surprise LA, alien or something. L.A. desert, essentially. Yeah, weird and scary, and they're like you didn't know it was coming. Yeah, that's what uh, I got. Yeah. So, wait, wait. Weird special effects. I think. Yeah, weird. So, a lot of people super liked this. Um, I liked it pretty well, but to me, it is a distant third of the three big Jordan Peele horror movies. Okay. I like get out the most personally. I put us only a notch below that. Some people have, have us way below it. And I have Nope. Well below those two that are pretty close in my mind. A a lot of people put this second or first even. And, and to me it was not, it it was not as strong um, as, as the other two. So, it is a movie. It is one where you specifically want to avoid spoilers. I would say, just like um, to some extent, Barbarian, like a lot of the thrill is the twists and turns it takes. And I, I, I omitted some of them, but I gave away a lot of them. Uh, this one, one hundred percent, skip this part if you're planning oh, wow. on watching this movie because it is like to its detriment, <laughs> kind of an M Night Shyamalan, like completely focused on his twist sort of thing. Yes. So they make it clear that there's some kind of uh, situation, alien thing. This so it's uh, Daniel Kaluuya is the main guy, uh, and Kiki Palmer is his sister. Those are the two big stars, and then the guy who was on Walking Dead is kind of the third main character. Um, and they, Daniel Kaluuya owns a horse ranch that is that provides horses for Hollywood movies. And has done so for generations. It's a lo- It's in in the family. They're they're a Hollywood family, and they always provided horses. Um, but they're kind of outcasts. They're not really in the mainstream. And uh, then all of a sudden, this weird stuff starts happening. And he saw a, an alien spaceship. It starts eating his horses, essentially, or or stealing his horses. And then they cut back to a kind of fun throwback. So um, the guy who is in Walking Dead. He was a child actor and he has like a little entertainment park that he does tours and stuff. And he bought, he uses the horses for his shows and they cut back to him as his on set for his childhood, uh, sitcom that stars him and his family. He played a little boy and there was this chimpanzee who is like their adopted brother. It was kind of like a, like a Harry and the Hendersons vibe or an elf vibe. Like there's this creature living with a family to hilarious hijinks. But apparently one day on set, the chimpanzee went insane and murdered everyone. And so they sh- they show graphically like that chimpanzee going psycho and like murdering everyone except for 
Except for oh, uh, the guy. His, so it's uh, Stephen Yuen, and he plays Ricky Jupe Park. So he goes by Jupe. Uh, so Jupe survives the massacre and becomes a B-list. He's kind of outcast from Hollywood, but he still has some connections. Um, and people constantly ask him about the monkey murder, obviously. And uh, so he's trying to make a living by having this park. And the big twist that kind of was foreshadowed and was not that impactful to me was that it is not an alien spacecraft that they're seeing this giant disc flying around in the sky hiding in a cloud that doesn't move it is actually the body of the alien itself is the thing that appears to be a ship it is not a ship it is an animal that is flying it has animal behaviors it it has a it has you know where a door would be on the bottom of an of an alien that where the tractor beam would go on a spaceship that's its mouth mm-hmm. it sucks things up and eats them slowly and so the big twist was that it's actually an animal and not the spaceship and that has because obviously daniel kaluuya he knows animals he grew up on this horse farm and uh but jupe who has this theme park mostly um made to sell his former fame as a child actor on a western themed thing he has figured out that there's this alien spacecraft thing and so he actually designed a show around attracting the spaceship to come visit while people are watching uh and so that he can make money as kind of like a ufo expert now and so he he has been deliberately putting horses out to get sucked up and eaten uh in front of a live audience but then that goes wrong and it goes crazy and sucks up the whole crowd and the climax of the action is is them trying to a film it so that they can make money having footage of alien life form slash spaceship or whatever it is before they realize what it is um and then b trying to like save themselves and Mm -hmm. you know deal with the situation that unfolds and it's a metaphor for fame and um you know overexposure uh, and and things like that, and I just thought it was not as successful as the other. Two. I, I I have a different uh, idea for the, the what they should have called this movie. Yeah, this this new Jordan Peele movie. You know, they should have called it Diminishing Returns. Yeah, man. I every time you go back, it's like it's a little little less there, a little less meat on that bone, huh? Maybe yeah. maybe we maybe we fed the audience too much the first time. Like Bill, we, we used all our good ideas there. Bill loves this movie. He is his favorite movie of the year. He said, and like other people, he is not alone in loving this movie. All three of Jordan Peele's movies are simultaneously like popcorn horror movies to enjoy as a plot and metaphors for a you know systemic problem in society. Obviously, primarily previously was dealing with racism as the biggest problem. Obviously, race is a big deal. The the horse farm family is black, uh, and so they they deal with racism, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. But the biggest metaphor is for again the spectacle of fame, and yeah. kind of not don't you're by being addicted to fame, you are killing yourself, you know, literally and figuratively, and that sort of thing. And and it's just like it was less fun as a movie to watch. It was less good as a metaphor. Yeah, and so for me it was like it was pretty disappointing. It was still pretty fun, but 
but it be, compared to the other two, it was a, a pale, pale comparison. And so it was, it was a letdown for me personally. Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like that's not a huge hit. Yeah. That's Nope. That's, that's maybe Nope was the right, was the right title for it from the beginning. I meant to say also barbarian. There's a scene where when the woman who has the Airbnb, uh, first discovers this secret basement, she pulls on a string and it opens it up and she, and is completely pitch black and it's like obviously a bad place, whatever it is. She gets on the precipice of that opening which is also a reverse shot of that is the poster for the movie. If you've seen, it's like a red background and her kind of standing in a doorway. Uh, and she just, she says, Nope. And it's a way better <laughs> moment than anything in the movie. Nope. She correctly surmises she should not go in there and says, Nope. And it is a hundred percent way better than Nope. The movie itself. Go see Barbarian, not Nope. Just gotta go watch some scary movies. Yeah. See all this other stuff. That's the rundown, Johnny. What say you? I, I've listened to you tell me about a lot of movies and I watched one of movies and part of me, a large part of me, your heart, thinks the biggest part of you, the biggest part of me makes is wondering who, who is right and who is wrong. Is it perhaps the case? You maybe I'm right to not like scary movies. Maybe all of these movies are not very good. Is that possible? Absolutely. I think most of them are bad. I those last three or four are the real winners. I don't know. Maybe. How many? You watch so many movies, and there's like three or four winners. Yeah, that's maybe fine. you should stop watching these movies. No, it's fun. What it, it, like? What is your hit rate of just movies in general compared to when you do this project every spooky season? I think it's a relatively low hit ratio. There are often fun, either funny or scary or thrilling moments, even in the bad ones. Um, so there's something to take away from them. I think, like, they're very rarely boring. And I think a lot of, like, Oscar-nominated movies that I don't like, I think are boring start to finish. I I would have liked Vampire's Kiss more if it were more boring. I, I don't know if that's true for me. I thought it was bad, but I was... I was upset by a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> like if it had just been, she finds the contract and he's like, thank you for doing a good job. That would have been better than what happened. Yeah. I, I thought that the full insanity of him was entertaining in a way. And I, I, I appreciated how insane he was acting. It was like confusing why the choices were made to me but like i was not bored and so i appreciate that yeah that's that's the, that's the situation man uh can i can i plug something at the end absolutely what would you like to plug so i don't know a ton about who listens to this but i i think i have a general idea so what i want to plug is for any of you who have like friends who are a little bit younger or Depending on the age, maybe you have kids who are like high school age or young college age. I don't know. If you've got people in that age group, uh, there's a podcast called Sauce Talk, and it's really <laughs> good. And it might appeal to them. They should check it out. S-A-U-C-E-T-A-L-K, hosted by Johnny Touchdowns. Great show. Check it out. They're going to love it. You don't need to listen to it. Great plug. I am a big fan of that show. 
Great show. Oh, you like it too. That's good. So even like dads can enjoy it, but really not aimed at them. Old fogies. Yeah. Check it out, everyone. Enjoy Sauce Talk, available on all finer podcasts. Uh, Not not Spotify, most platforms. Well, Johnny, thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you for uh, chatting with me about movies that you have from negative to some interest in eventually watching. It was an incredible range. I had a fantastic time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody.